The only chance Shelburne will get to Europe is in Joe Walsh's tours. Yeah, for sure, from Sweden. Is this thing on? Once I had a pretty girl, her name, it doesn't matter. She went away with another guy, now he won't even look at her. Welcome to Tales and Eastland, it's 223. And it's me, Gary P, and of course, the Prof Carroll. Hacking Rovers champions. The Hoops season, a historical uh, season, Prof, comes to an end. Um, absolutely brilliant. Uh, quick thank yous, Leicester Credit and Ocean Electoral, of course. Fantastic sponsors all year. Looked after us up and beyond belief. Green Ribbon Beer, Leicester Credit, Ocean Electrical again. Four provinces. Um, anybody who helped us out, Assure Media, Philly. Proper geezer. Yeah, proper geezer clothing. Um, inclusive cars. Anybody who, who helped us out, we uh, big, big thank you. And we'll be hitting you up for next season. Potentially a new sponsor, Gar. Oh, yes. Al the Barber. Al the Barber. Working on a brand uh, new Barber's Offset Barber's. And uh, you can spit at it from the Prof's house. And you can spit at it from, <laughs> the, from the Prof's. Just spitting at everything. He's... Um, He's been my barber for like 15 years, maybe more. He, uh, he's been working in Frank's in Crumble Village. And uh, just out of nowhere, he just goes to me, you know I'm opening up a new place, don't you? I'm like, no, you didn't tell me that. Kind of something me talk about during barber talk. Like, well, they changed my Instagram to a new name. I was like, Roy, didn't know that. And he goes, like, where are you moving to? He says, uh, Kimmage. I was like, all oh, right, yeah, I, I couldn't live there. Uh, Ravensdale Park. Yeah, that's just down the road from me. You know the shop just there? Yeah, that's 30 seconds from my house. That's where he's opening up. And uh, where our childhood cavities came from as well. El Frank's Sweet Shop. <laughs> yeah. It's a sad day when that yeah. went. Cola bottles were cola bottles were a penny. We go in and we go with a pound and you get a hundred cola bottles. And he'd count them out. We became notorious actually for uh, buying cola bottles. He actually counted them out, remember? Got to the point where he walked into the shop and he's like, oh, here we go. I'll get, I'll load them up. Yeah, he pre make them sometimes yeah. as well, but yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Adam, he'll open up on December 5th in uh, Ravensdale Park, Kimmage slash Crumman, whatever you want to yeah. call it. Uh, best barber in Kimmage. Best and, barber uh, in Kimmage. And Garrett, I am kind of all over the shop right now. I am just been, I'm two nights into my first night shift in five years. The laughing stock of on post from your fellow comrades, Prof. Well, the jokes on them. They're getting some balls out of it. The jokes on them because I don't mind it so far. <laughs> wait, till, wait till Friday. Wait till you experience Friday night on the nights. Then you, <laughs> you, you'll have something else to say about it. Oh, the reactions from people were so funny. Just people looking at me with their, like, oh, I've never seen you before. <laughs> it's like it's like working a new job. And. Um, yeah, seeing people I hadn't seen in five years, so it's like time traveling back to the other building. 
The other one weird thing I found was I'd be there like at one or two in the morning and I'd check my phone and I'd check like the WhatsApp group and I'd check the Twitter notifications. Nothing. Then I put it down. Up again. WhatsApp, Twitter, nothing. And I was like, hang on, everyone's asleep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just, it's yeah, a new that's, experience that's it. Yeah, it is. Because it'd be hopping during the day yeah. and then you'd have the odd uh, observation. Usually Barney's great for a bit of crack on the nights. Fields are... Mm-hmm. Our Australian counterparts. Yeah, the Aussie lads, if you're listening, uh, Fielder and Steve, please provide some entertainment for me the next two nights because uh, it's lacking. Yeah, so uh, we have our end of season wrap. Quick look back at the last two games of the year in Sweden, UCD and the Tifties Player of the Year Awards. All the news plus an interview with 2006 First Division winner, Ray Kenny. Yeah, the fireman. Mm. Sponsors as well, probably of course, we said Geezer Claude, um, who dressed... Uh, we got their they dressed Gary P for the awards um, half hour attempt of me trying to look stylish but it was uh, was that your smart casual was it that was the smart casual yeah I, know. <laughs> I noticed a couple of people wore a Robbers jersey that's their version of uh, I was trying to say I was saying prof anyone at the door reject them if they're not smart casual so like, what, what, what do you do how do you do that I think I fit the definition perfectly I had a nice shirt but also jeans so it's like half smart, smart half on casual. the top, casual yes. on the bottom. <laughs> it's a made. Nobody knows what it means. It's like it's a made-up term. Yeah. So two weeks since you last heard from us, and um, we are back with our dulcet tones. Made people sad, apparently, Prof. They said the sad emojis and gifts, and uh, sack the podcast team. Says Mick McCarthy. Of course, he would yep. say that. He'd be lost without us, Mick. We lots of feedback to get through as well. Alabama Rover. Prof, am I right in saying that despite our phenomenal home record this season, we played eight matches on Astro <coughs> and did not win any? That is very, very observant of um, this gentleman. That is correct. That's three matches in Derry, two in Dundalk, Malta, Sweden and Norway. So, so no, we didn't win one match on Astro. No wins. And we train on it every day. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Pikachu Pikachu costume at the Derry game was Annabelle Wallace Phelan Morris Phelan Warren's granddaughter so still random yeah still random still very random uh, other feedback here phone vibrations off please I literally just did it literally just yes, did it there, there have been complaints um, Lavelle doesn't count though <laughs> other things I noticed was uh, what's the story podcast with our pal Mero um, he was sort of beside me in Sweden because I was on the left of all the fans and uh, his section was just kind of across the steps. And um, they're on episode 267. And we are on 223. Mm. So I was wondering, we will probably overtake them at some stage. Because sometimes they go maybe a few weeks ago an episode. And, but also they had a two year head start on us. They started in June 2015. The term you're looking for is slacker, probably. Ooh. I think the term is. And here's something I didn't know. I went back to this, their first show because I, I, can't, I was a bit late to the party. I only started listening a few years ago. And they actually started with three hosts. Lindsay Doyle. There's one for you, I prof. thought it was always just the two of them. Mm. Yeah. Right, so Alan Eustis on the ultras display. Irish Fertala is tow-locked. Comes from the tail lock, which me, which was on the Banamian graveyard for plague victims, hence plague doctor. So Halloween theme, I guess, very very cool. Nice mm-hmm. bit of Irish history there as well. Um, someone said there's a bleeding novel with excerpts from Tolokta, the map of plague burials, and some implications from early Irish history by Gene C Haley. That that, to, that was the longest message of all time. I opened that. I was going to Sweden. Courtesy of Garbrand, I think. I was in the airport on the Wednesday morning, 
and uh, you know one of those where you get a message and you have to click read more seven times read more. and I'm like read more <sighs> yeah <sighs> you had plenty of time on the tarmac though prof plenty of time but uh, we've, we've condensed it a bit here so I'm gonna read that so out. beak mask if you know if you notice the display it's like a plague doctor type guy with a beak mask and the place name Tala in County Dublin is a transliteration of the Irish word Taulachta and uh, I'm sure the Irish Gaelgars out there no, absolutely butchering me you can hear them screaming and it's found in other place names across the oil, the island in one form or another Taulachta seems to have been understood in the late 9th century as indicating a mass burial site for victims of the plague Plague medieval physicians wore protective clothing which included a beak-like mask containing strong herbs and spices. It was the same principle as a modern-day gas mask and designed to protect physicians from bad airs. Ah, very cool. That'd be creepy, wouldn't it? Yeah. One one of the most interesting uh, displays in recent memory, though, wasn't it? Um, We also had Nathan, a regular listener. We were talking about gold involvements recently. And uh, he went, he delved into the assists, which, as you know, Gary, is something I'm never willing to do. No. Um, so he's gone to the trouble of adding them up. Uh, he's, in, he's including Cup and European games here. <clears throat> so goal involvements, meaning he either scored or he provided the assists himself. Uh, he's got Rory Gaffney on 25, way out in front. Jack, goal involvements now, people, yeah, assists and goals. Jack Byrne, 14. Lyons and Burke, both got 12. Mandrew got nine, so they're the top four or five there. Very Americanized way um, of uh, summing up a season, isn't it? Go involvements. Go involvements. <laughs> yeah. That's the way we're going to pronounce that from now on. And finally, it this this is always very rarely this happens, but Ed on Twitter pointed out a Robert's book I have never heard of. Lies. I it's it floored me. What, Absolutely what one is this and who wrote it it's called it's a, it's a photographic book now rather than an actual book but it's called Home at Last it was published in 2009 by John Barrington it's a public uh, sorry a pictorial record of the 13th of March 2009 the opening night at Tata Stadium and it's only available on one website and it's costly what are we talking here 100 quid well there's like three versions the paperback version is 41 dollars and then the hardback is like upwards of eighty dollars. Oh, John Barton selling them from his kitchen, from his <laughs> from his uh, basement. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so we lost one 0 to Ugardens in our final group game at the Telly Two Arena, bringing down the court on our European campaign with a valiant showing in Stockholm and a great performance. So, Prof, you made the trip along with four hundred and seventy others. A yeah. eventful trip. So I'm, I'm told. To that's leave. that's some number for a dead rubber. Unbelievable. Like. Ridiculous amount, and it looked brilliant as well. Yeah, so like I said, I went down on the Wednesday. Um, Tell us your itinerary. I thought I was being smart by getting a, a noonish flight. You did, didn't you? But yeah, then. fucking smoke <laughs> sitting there, you are. <laughs> but I uh, got, got badly delayed. We were on the, the runway for quite a while. Uh, so, tack to SAS. That's, that's Swedish for tanks. Uh, I was with um, Tommy Tarmy on the flight as well. Uh, Emma and Arla we kind of stayed together going through the train station of the tram so we were quite the comedy trio <laughs> navigating uh, Stockholm uh, Emma Wheatley fantastic leader she just she figures shit out oh, she's one of them yeah did she grab she grabs the situation by the oh she did yeah Yeah. there's yeah. always one of them in a group <laughs> and I, I say gladly go for it oh, because yeah. I tend to be that one in my group 
of like family and friends and stuff like that. And then if someone else wants to take the lead, fair enough. But mostly, I like someone who goes does that, takes yeah. a hold of it, and just kind of goes for it. You know, if I'm on my own and I'm taking my time, I can do it. But uh, you're kept in your toes here, I, right? I, I, I prefer smart, like Stockholm. I don't know. It's a big city, like and everything's just so large and yellow and I'm like looking at the signs and I just feel lost <laughs> whereas in Belgium I just it felt more straightforward for some reason um, we actually left before the players this was interesting because they were 12 o'clock um, at, from Shannon really from the day before yeah but we were like 11.25 or something um, normally they go on the Tuesday don't they or two days before the game yeah that's like standard mm. isn't it yeah yeah, because it was the last game and it didn't mean anything but so the Green Hunter was the nominated pub again just like four years ago AIK uh, but it's been renovated so it's a bit of a, a posh upgrade on it okay remember the bar it was kind of in the centre and it was like you'd be circled around it yep that's a wall now so the bar is a line it looked totally totally yeah. done up yeah I was totally different it looked far posher than it was and the highlight of the trip undoubtedly the, the karaoke on the Wednesday night was phenomenal. Prof, if, any, if you know, you know, the night before is always the best. I've said before, I don't understand people flying in on the mornings of games. I the night before, here's here's the mentality for me, right? You're flying in early on the Wednesday, right? So you're in the airport, you could be there for six in the morning. You know, let's say your flight is at nine or whatever. You have a couple of points, you have your breakfast. Or good in the afternoon. Starting to get giddy, yeah, exactly, all yeah. All yeah. So either way, it's all the same. So you're getting a little bit giddy, starting seeing hoops, start to congregate around the airport, get your points in, start drinking on the plane, and then you get off the plane, you're like, right, how do we get in there? Organised bus, no, this way, that way. Then you get to the pub, everybody starts streaming in, gradually building up, building up. You don't have to get up early, you don't have a flight to catch, you can stay out for the night because the game is not until 6 in the evening the, the next day. That is the best thing about the whole trip the night before because that's when the debauchery and the madness happens. You hit the nail on the head there. That's that's the night I stay out the latest. Like I, I become a bit of an elephant by the Thursday night. I'm like, ah. get me home. I'm like, <laughs> ah, I'm up early for a flight. I'll just go to bed. Um, so yeah, a few people stood up for the, the karaoke. Uh, no surprise, Ed Sol sang "Love Is in the Air." Yes, knocked it out of the park as usual. So he set the tone. He set the tone. I first think, one up, I'd say. I think he was the first one up. Yeah. Yeah. Not out of everybody. There was a couple of locals that stood up. Um. Riley, his son, not on this trip. Uh, he said he said that Riley kept ringing him, saying, "Dad, is there any kids there?" No, like, no, there's no kids. It's not, it's not. Kids letting kids. the hair down, was he? Yeah. Um, Maloney, great suggestion. Uh, he wanted Dan Fulham to get up and sing "Folsom Prison Blues" <laughs> by Johnny Cash, and sure enough, Dan took him up with the challenge. And my only complaint here was maybe Dan should have gone up later. I, I feel like the irony was just lost on people and we weren't drunk enough yet. Yeah. So, but actually, he did a great job with this song. It was, he was brilliant. And a woman, or sorry, the guy who was hosting the karaoke, he noticed, I was like, oh, I see there's a couple of hundred Irish people in here. And he said, oh, I've got a great idea now. Or maybe the woman obviously chose the song. And he says, how about Johnny Cash, 1987? Hold me now because he won that Eurovision oh. in Sweden. So he's probably thinking, oh, or she's thinking, this is a great idea. No, what was his name? It wasn't Johnny Cash? Fucking Johnny. Oh, sorry, Johnny Logan. Johnny, Johnny Logan. Logan. Oh, and she and, thought she was being yeah. brilliant. She was like, this is a great, this is a great idea. 
She was booed out of the building. <laughs> Can you imagine her poor woman thinking I'm going to serenade the Irish? Yeah. Which was harsh actually because she had a good voice. And I think Ed immediately <laughs> followed her. And she, he was like, like, can I just say you actually sang that really well. You yeah. just, you made a, a terrible choice of song. <laughs> Um, Marcus who I interviewed do you remember I interviewed yes this, this, yes, uh, this was in the stadium German fella remember yeah yeah. he was there remember when this draw was made he was onto us straight away like he was dying to go to this game so yeah I met him again it's cool to see him yeah, he had a Hammerby friend with him uh, a nice Hammerby friend let me just stress that <laughs> uh, there was a Pigo lookalike so we sang Pigo Pigo to him and uh, interesting Chat with Bren Kearns. I like this. You know the way we've always had this phrase from the European away. Uh, same old places. Or sorry, same old faces. Different places. Different places. Yeah. Or maybe you have it backwards. But uh, it's like it's a common expression as in like it's the same car of 300 go away. Yep. But then you saw what happened in Belgium. 1,200 people. We spoke about how so many, we have a new so many women are gone. So many young people are gone. New fans. But here's one now. This was a dead rubber in Sweden on a Thursday night in November. And still a lot of people I'd never seen before. I was standing there with Bren and I looked over at the far side of the room and like I said, I don't know any of those 40 people. The core. We have a new core, Prof, and it's getting bigger. So it's cool. Um, he also loved the fact that uh, I think he's talking about on the day of Either the Ghent game or the Derry game. He said outside <laughs> there was hawkers. Uh, you know, like outside Lansdowne Road, like selling the scarves and all that. And <laughs> there was actually someone going, get your tree in a roll, Plex. Yep. They your s- tree in and a they roll, class. Plex. He, said, he, said, he made a couple of thousand. I'd say he sold hundreds of them. There were like, like, plaques <laughs> with tree in a row written on them. They were very cool. I was like, I haven't seen a hawker outside a rowers game in 30 years. Mm. Uh, no surprise here. Staff said that the beer was shy. Yeah. And just like I said in Belgium, again, countless people coming up to me about the podcast, uh, which is unbelievable. I was like, thanks to everybody who did that. Um, met a couple of new people who I knew were listeners, but I just hadn't met them in person. Like uh, Aaron Rogan, who went to the same class as me and Eamon Sharkey. Remember I had Eamon Sharkey in the yep. podcast? Uh, he writes for the Business Post. So shout out to him. He was very complimentary. Dara from Vancouver, very complimentary. Um, which we love we love hearing that I don't so much like to praise on myself because I don't handle that well Gare. So <laughs> you bit, love it a bit, bit less of that now but the you praise of the podcast is nice uh, the burger people will someone asked me about your every time someone sees you eat like, ah, we've oh, been over this oh what's it gonna get what's it gonna get they'll come over to me and they'll nudge me and they go what's he giving it He's giving it a seven. Oh, you ratings, give it, yeah. Is he giving it a seven? <laughs> I thought you were going to say you eat it with one hand again. Oh yeah, you do yeah. that. I'd, I'd weigh games to do that. Yeah. Uh, this this was an outrageous burger. Oh yeah. Absolutely outrageous. Not, nine nine point five. We're gonna get Cam- a little bit of massive beast, soft bass and slow drumby. Will you talk about this burger? No, I'm not one to describe no. food. No, no, no. no. Breakfast, however. Uh, nowhere near nine point five. No, they can be. It's mostly buffets at these like hotels, isn't it? Is a little cheap hotel, which is what you want on on the way there. You don't want that luxurious. Cause you want cheap and cheerful. You're not going to be there long. You're going to be there for six hours sleep, and then you're going to be back up again. Bit of food, and then you're gone. But where they those little rubbery bullet sausages that they give you, and oh, whatever you're thinking, 
it, it was worse than I'd that. I'd say you hate them. Because you are... No, I'll, here, I'll give you a quick anecdote about work, right? One of the guys who we work with says to me, um, he proper walks by and he goes, here, do you ever see him in the canteen? It's like, no, no, no. You want to see the fucking fly he eats? I says, what? He says, he fucking ate all. He says, I didn't get anything. Three sausages, three rashers, pudding, eggs, the lot. I says, that's yeah. prof, prof is a man for the fries. But the way I look at it is I don't eat before I go into work and then I don't eat until I come home from work so I need to eat that massive fry. I was laughing my head yeah. off. I was like, that is prof all over. He loves a fry. So I came down to the, the breakfast on the Thursday morning. First person, first people I saw were the rings enders and they said, prof, don't look at the sausages. <laughs> and sure enough, they were tiny chicken sausages. Chicken sausages, Gary. Okay, now I, I can deal with that. But they were just tasteless though. They were just, uh, just nothing happening. So anyway, the karaoke night. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm ranking European trips, uh, it, was, it was a pretty good one. I'm, I wouldn't put them in top three or anything because I'd been to Stockholm before. I tend to prefer the smaller cities and the kind of places I wouldn't normally go to, like Bergen or Ghent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tend to have more crack at those. But that's that's one of the best Wednesday nights ever. That karaoke, it was, oh, yeah. it was quality. Uh, the wig story, I don't know if I need to repeat that. Uh, I think it'll go down in infamy, won't it, at this stage? Um, uh, Mark Turner, who was not involved in the wig story, uh, he, he says to Dan Fulham, uh, that barman doesn't like me. And then five seconds later, drops his pint glass and smashes on the floor right in front of that very barman. There you go, that's why. <laughs> Who was uh, the barman? He was like a. He was like he was a silver fox. Like he had silver-haired, suave, well-dressed fella. But he had a constant scowl. Like he just had this look in his face. Like I hate all of you, <laughs> and I want you out of here. Just look like he resented us. But uh, yeah, a ringer for a man. Usually that's like after the first night. Usually smile because <laughs> yeah. like, the money they're getting, but then they realise you're coming back. Yeah, as Dan put it out, uh, a ringer for uh, your man, the Prodigy, which was a great oh, show. Oh, no way. Yeah. Dan and Ozzy Nate, by the way, uh, quite the bromance on the Thursday morning on the, on the scooters. Yeah, they had a little romantic day out scooting around Stockholm. Yeah, so that's my that's my pre-match notes. Match so, day, prop. Talk match about day. the match day. So after your horrendous fry, you got up. How did it go? Kickoff quarter six six forty five local. Yeah, so ticket collection was uh twelve half twelve at three thirty or something in the in, in the green hunter. Mm-hmm. So plenty of time to get there. Um, so found somewhere to eat. Uh, went for the old pizza hut down the road. Ran into some familiar faces there. Like, went in Rome, eh? <laughs> yeah. Some familiar faces there, McDarrah, Ferris, Peter Murphy, Forky popped in, Paul Thomas. Uh, Forky popped in with another Hanbury fan who was, thankfully, not a dickhead. So I'd met two nice ones so far. Um, so yeah, good grub there. And one of them was kind of big into, he was interested in your gardens. He was kind of talking how, you know, this is their last home game of the season. So a big display was expected and they don't care about fines. Yeah, I actually got a, a massive rundown of the whole trip from Fikra and I think he was expecting me to read it out but it's too long. 
It was just the Hammerby situation. The whole thing, yeah. Yeah, no, we we will cover it in a moment. We will cover it. We'll 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 get bits and pieces. We'll give our from synopsis it. of it. Um, but yeah, the atmosphere was good. Like they were, I can't remember any displays. Was there any displays? I I don't know. Um, could you like from their on their behalf? Yeah, don't think so. Was that you would have noticed? I don't. recall one. You would have noticed. But they were very very loud. Like anytime we tried to get song going, we we were drowned out by them. Um, although a couple of people watching on TV said they could hear us singing a few times you could every, you could, it was yeah. when it break through the barrier you could hear it when they kind of stopped for a second and you'd hear yeah, us and yeah. then they'd get drowned out again um, as usual though okay we didn't concede an early goal would you consider 19 minutes early but um, it is an early goal yeah before half an hour well, is an early goal in my opinion but as usual as, there's one for the fans there's one for the for the listeners is what do you what constitutes an early goal? What do you think an early goal is? Before half an hour is an early goal for me. Well, I think first ten minutes is like a proper early goal. I think to go down before half an hour, that's an early one for me. Mm. But my point is, once again, if we just these away games, if we got the half time scoreless, I think we would be singing every minute right the way through. It knocks but, the wind out of us, doesn't it? The wind knocked out of us yeah. by these early goals. Now you could say we should be singing anyway. Like I think back to the home games against Bran and Apollon and I just I still remember those atmospheres vividly. I remember the ball hitting the net against Bran in the sales stand. And there was shock for about three seconds. And then we were in full voice again immediately. And then we sang right the way up to Jack Burns equalizer in the seventieth minute or mm. something. That that's that's proper support. Nuts. Well, sometimes you know there can be lulls and people go quiet and then you get singing again. But yeah, they were very, they were very loud. They were they were impressive. Um, I was talking about ranking my European trips in terms of stadiums. Possibly the best one I've been in. Really? Um, Wyart Lane. Ghent. Wyart Lane was was brilliant. It's probably still my favourite. But um, yeah, I'd say it's better than Ghent. Very very impressive stadium. Marcus wasn't so impressed. I was I was beside him. I was like, this, this is a really cool stadium. I was like, eh, they all look the same to me now. <laughs> so he's been jaded from the European stadiums. Um, and Garrett, I may not be on the, you know, part of these uh, clashes or with fans or on the front line or throwing <laughs> garden chairs or any of that stuff, Garrett. So that's not really my scene. But I tell you, if you want someone hard enough to only wear a hoodie, in 8 degrees in Sweden in November I'm your man <laughs> Prof fucks with the cold Prof on smoke with the weather I was one of only a couple of people without a jacket and that's him <laughs> and people thought I was mental I don't know I don't know what's going on lately I just I don't feel the cold as much anymore your balls finally dropped Prof <laughs> <laughs> well um, I, did, I just start feeling towards the end now would like the last half hour I was like I'd actually love a cold here. But, um, yeah, so the game itself, um, Leon started in goal, which divided opinion, as it tends to do, doesn't it? Yes. But, um, I think people were kind of happy enough to kind of let him give, give him a bash. I was thinking to myself, it wouldn't surprise me, because he's a dead rubber and he hasn't played. Like, Yeah, so it was his European debut. Um, made a good save in the second half, one on one. Banda was true on goal. So, they're the gold. Well, before we get to the gold, actually, uh, Scottish official Nick Walsh, who 
Does someone claim he was a Rangers fan? Yeah, he is a Rangers fan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mark Keating said, "Resting Big Al for the awards in the Clarion Hotel." Uh, needed someone to hold the trophy. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so one nil on twenty minutes, Prof. Paul wanted to come up at the end, didn't he? Yeah. The You're ambitious enough, kid. Yeah, Bradger stopped him. Um, yeah, the goal. Yeah, twenty minutes. Uh, we went one nil down, Prof. Um, I'm trying to think back to this. Well, it was a really good move. Um, oh yeah, it was. It was lovely. A nice little yeah. set. And then and then it finished. Some people were saying Paul should have saved it, which is tough. It's coming at pace, you know. It's it's a it's a it's probably a harsh criticism, but um, yeah, our, the fact that it went under his body, but a powerful shot from close range, you know, uh, Big Al doesn't necessarily save this either, does he? So, oh, I mentioned the save from from Leon. Oh no, decent showing by Leon. Um, Friudi was very good again. Um, still frustrated me why he won't shoot. Yeah, he just he gets close to the edge of the box and he just will not shoot. Um, we were kind of we were growing into the game before the goal, so that was kind of frustrating. But even then, afterwards, we stayed in the game. Um, we had a couple of shots, tell for us to save, but the flag went up anyway. Um, second half, he had a decent volley. Oh, he was throwing uh, goal for that, save for as that well. first chance. Yeah, he scored. But the best chance, obviously, was the Gaffney one, right on that stroke of half time. Now, who else do you want at the fall to man on his left? Just <sighs> back post. Like, how does he not hit the target here? And that was in the opposite end, so I didn't get a great view of it. And then I, I, I put up on my phone at half time, getting a beer, and I, c- I couldn't believe he missed. Um, but second half, like I said, we stayed in the game. We enjoyed a fair bit of possession, but I, n- I never felt like we were going to make it count. I never felt like we were going to score. Like, we put some pressure on the end. Yeah. We fought, got a few corners. But did you feel like we were going to equalise? It didn't seem like it. I mean, we, we put it to them, but it just it didn't look like one of those nights. You know, anything can happen, but it was it was one of those nights here. I just thought, ah, listen, it was the spirit yeah. of the performance, you know? Yeah. our best Certainly our best away performance with the group. Um would you say it was better than Scooby? Yeah, well, you have to take everything into consideration, don't you? Hmm. Scooby weren't amazing, and it, like this team is just a, a lot better, a lot better than as yeah. we know that. So yeah, the quality of the opponents, yeah, yeah. So after the match, um, there's some great photos of the of uh, of us in the in the away section, like Hammerby. Well, obviously they would fill that up completely, but. It looked very impressive that box of it looked a biz of four seventy Rovers fans yeah. and the players applauded us at the end. It's great. There's a great video. I think I think Graham recorded. It. If not, then it was Luke. But he recorded behind the players applauding us, looking up into the stands, and uh, actually gave me goosebumps. That that was a great video. So my final Sweden Oscar. Um, oh, hit me, prof. Stephen Bradley wore white runners. Sweden. Oh yeah. Have you ever seen it before? I don't think so. I mean, on the at the dugout, like no, no. What do you think about it? Yeah, getting ready for his night out. So the whole Hammerby situation. Um, you probably if you, even if you were there, you probably heard bits and bobs. Like they said that we didn't ask permission to drink in the Green Hunter there, which pub. is ridiculous, by the way. But then I spoke to Figra afterwards, and he was like, "If that conversation had happened between." different people 
it wouldn't have been blown out of proportion. So I kind of get where he's coming from there. Yeah. Fika is saying that the the older Harambee crowd have set the younger guy straight, and there was there was a disconnect there of our relationship, Rawers and Harambee. It just seemed like they were confused. Like there was like we're we're over here having kind of there was there was a few clashes, wasn't there, in the Tata game? Yeah. With your gardens. We have a we have a link with Hammerby. We played AIK before. We've come over. And Hammerby well it's probably about forty then, wasn't it? Of a younger crowd. And they're having to go at us. Naturally they're gonna clash, yeah. They just seem very confused about what this game was and our relationship <laughs> to Swedish teams. But as Figure said, they seem to have been set, set straight. Um, I know a lot of people afterwards will just dismiss the link ever again. Um, Steve Seary in our, in our chat was kind of saying he feels the link died a long time ago. Um, I know he's moved to Australia now, but he he, like, he was part of the original Ultras and everything. Um Fieger feels it's still very Forky feels it's very strong yeah but like Forky's like still friends with a couple of the older guys but that's the thing that's what gets mm. lost true friendships like they mm. don't probably even know the guys that the rail probably kicked off with you know what I mean so the, mm. the information wasn't passed down about these are okay these are our friends whereas they're looking at it and they're thinking that's not fucking our link that's some older guys link with Rovers we, what, what if we want to fight them you know there, there could be anything going through their heads yeah just seemed a bit disconnect there with the 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 long standing link and the newer generation of Hammerby fans or whatever. Just seemed to be laughing. If if you're on, if you have the if you experienced the, what I experienced over there and you came away thinking fuck Hammerby, this link is dead. I I get where you're coming from. Yeah. <laughs> I felt the same way that night. Then I spoke to Figura and he clarified a few things. So I'm a bit more open minded now. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> finally on the Thursday night the only time I, I a few people said like it was a bit ropey at times because you know we were told that uh, Hammerby would probably target uh, the Green Hunter post-match in retaliation for something that happened earlier yeah so the police were advising us not to go back there so they were with us on the trains. Some people were clever. They got off and went their own way. Back to the pub. The only time I felt unsafe. In my three days there. Was when I followed the advice of the police. And they dumped me out in the middle of nowhere. In Old Town. And said. Oh lots of Irish pubs here. Lots of Irish pubs. It could be much safer here. The first one turned us away. Yeah. The second one was full. Oh no! And then me and Ozzy Nate and James Lowe and a few ringsenders, we were stood around in the middle of fucking nowhere, waiting thir- 30, 40 minutes for, waiting for, for an Uber. Impending doom. And there's the Swedish police and a couple of plainclothes Irish officers explaining why they did this. And, and we were like, this is shambles. I should have just gone back to the Green Hunter. Yeah, that's exactly it, yeah. I don't think anybody was going to go for you, so. Yeah, so final notes on the Thursday night. Uh, Turner was out chasing the local wildlife. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that video. <laughs> no, <what was> chasing? <laughs> he's chasing my life. <laughs> Dan Fulham slept in a plane hotel. Oh, I saw that. That was pretty cool. Yep. There you go. Plane shaped hotel. And a couple of final things on the stadium itself. Um, the re- one of the reasons I rated so highly is padded seats. Oh, prof. 
I didn't actually sit in an L, but we were all standing. But padded seats, where would you get it? And the exterior of the stadium, even like just the way it lit up and everything, it was it was quite cool. Um, misleading titles, I would say. Um, <laughs> oh the men's side say her on them. So I nearly walked in thinking, oh, that's obviously female. Uh, need to practice. Prop getting the charge for Need to practice exposure. my Swedish. There you go. And um, <clears throat> yeah, so kind of final thoughts on the group. Two points we took. Took them off to two that qualified. Yeah. Again, to New York Gardens. And me, me and James Lowe actually went back to the hotel just for a couple of drinks. We were joined by Jay Mangan uh, eventually. And Jay wants me to compose an all-time 11 of players who have played in Tala. Which is an interesting one. So you'd get, you'd have the, you have the obvious suspects like Chiellini... Oh, uh, Zlatan, Ronaldo, Marquisio, <sighs> Harry Van der Kane, Gabriel Hines, Piero. Yeah, so you could you could easily put together a full eleven there. Uh, if you're if you are so inclined, send us in your your best eleven. But we have some final notes here from McDermott. Yeah, McDermott first reporting from Stockholm. We noted that the hoops earned three point nine four million, including three hundred thirty two k from two group stage draws away their cut of the TV pool. Rovers earned 1.875 of a 3.375 coefficient points claimed by LOI clubs in 2022. His weeks, or his match report said, as after 14 matches across 17 weeks with 35,000 kilometres of travel, which virtually all the air miles started from Shannon Airport, Shamrock Rovers European Adventure included Concluded in Stockholm this week. In Sweden, Rovers 47% ball possession and 85% pass completion rate. Comparisons between your gardens and Rovers were fairly favourable for the hoops. 32 attacks to Rovers 28 and goal attempts 13 versus 18 or versus 8 on target 3 versus 2. So with hoops winning the corner count 3 to 6. Unlike in Europa League in 2011 this time around, Rovers didn't lose all 6 matches and have the worst record in the competition. They are one of the 5 teams from the A groups who earned 2 points. Which is one of them having the better goal distance difference than Rovers, minus nine. So, I actually got a lot of stats off of um, Tommy Tommy as regards our league campaigns in the last couple of years, and I'll touch on them in a while. Is he talking about goals <coughs> four? No, he didn't say that to me. He was talking to me about um, all-time Premier Division stats, um, as in the modern era since it began in nineteen eighty-five. You know, like we've um, we've equaled them docks eight Premier Division titles, which right. which was actually a headline in the Irish Times. <laughs> Rovers win their twentieth league title. They put the second star on three in a row, and the Irish Times are gone on about how many Premier Division oh, leagues we've won. Trying to separate, yeah. Would you just fuck off? But in terms of like the overall stats, most games played and wins, I think maybe Pats have been out front for a long time. I think Derry are quite high as well. Um. <clears throat> this game by the way there was no footage of this game on YouTube when I say none I mean normally is yeah. I mean none you will not find Ericsson's goal I had to register on UEFA.com just to see the goal just to watch 1 minute and 55 seconds zero of which showed us in possession of the ball so yeah I don't know what that's about so that's it that's it for Europe Gar. thank mm-hmm. god yeah, Gint got um, quite a bag prof in the playoff were placed in the last 16 and New Gardens were already true so quite a bag I'm not sure how that went in the end how'd it go 
Bose. Well, no, uh, that's going to come up in February. It's in February. The Bose announcement of the day was um, on our European game, and it was a multi-year deal for Talbot. And you know, did you see them? They were trying to take the piss. They were like, "Oh, all the media are watching Bose when Rovers have a huge game." It's like, stop, man, will you? Does that not mean less exposure for their announcements? Yeah, it does. Yeah, pretty I, much. I yeah. don't really get that. Yeah. So Europe Gar is nine months away. Thank God. That's nine. Yeah, it was a Months Gar, nine months away. So remember, make a saving. Keep it in your pants. Yeah. <laughs> Especially this time around. Yeah. Um. Yes, so the, or, uh, we beat UCD probably moving on to it. And uh, UCD 2-0 on the campus, the Belfield Bold, finish off the season with a club record of 79 points. Yeah, the team. Um, some people were surprised how strong it was. Um, I figured, yeah, I figured Leon, Victor, Green or Justin would be in there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the thought of the players. They stopped off at the Millentown Monument on the way, which was a nice touch. Um, some of them were dressed with the pines already I noticed oh they were yeah I think yeah, they were gone at half time as well <laughs> so Orgetown House forehand profit you get a point in I did yeah went down there for a few hours um, Huberman was there um, Nathan from Ring's End was in it so they were all they were all uh, laughing at his expense I'd say, I'd say it's boiling in that thing it's horrible you can't see anything we were speculating as to whether Dan Fulham uh, was in the nip when he wore that thing I think you'd have to be um, also I suggested there should be someone should make a photo album of Huberman in unnatural positions <laughs> like just doing things that Huberman shouldn't like holding the phone or having the point or, like, or just going in paying the mortgage in the bank thing. that's what I want to say yeah uh, Mooner wanted something signed for his nephew um, for Huberman to sign the back of his shirt but your man couldn't see out the eyes <laughs> So he just scribbles Goggle Man or something on the back. Go- Goggle Man. <laughs> um, yeah, people were putting two stars on, on Huberman, uh, updating the costume. Oh. Um, there you go. Getting a costume now. And so I walked in just as Love is in, is in the Air ended. It, it's, it couldn't have been timed any better. <laughs> um, yeah, in terms of the stadium... Um, and my last burger of the season so it was emotional that was the most expensive burger in the league I'd imagine as well (sighs) you see these fucking rip off I think it was yeah was it 7 euros me and Jaden got dogs there last time and it was like 20 quid for 2 this was a different company though because remember that I described that hot dog last time and it was the biggest heap of shite it was rubbish I got it as well me and Jaden got it it was like 20 quid for 2 and drinks I was like get that away from me you know when they hand you the bun the moment you ask for it it's going to have a bad time yeah but no this was a different crowd so the burger was actually decent and there was a kid behind us this I'm talking about the end of the game or near the end of the game now but yeah so there was a kid um, arguing with his dad over whether he could stay after the full time whistle and from the dad's point of view the the season's over this is the 54th game we've had our title celebrations it's going to be it's a low key affair it's UCD no, we have to go home. It's Sunday night. You have school in the morning. We're going home. The moment the final whistle goes, he said, "No, we're going. Oh, they'll, they'll be on the pitch now." And I'm like, "No, no, they won't be." Mm. Now we're going home. And then, as the kids ran on the pitch for the cutest pitch invasion ever, I just thought about that poor kid. Mm. I thought his dad made him go home. <laughs> and I was, I was up, yeah. and I was sitting up there. And my, in fairness to her, 
she knows so she's looking up and she's trying to pick me out she's standing on the gate and she's she's like where is he I have to get permission where is he and I just gave it a nod when she saw me I said yes she was like yes <laughs> yeah I saw my run <clears throat> Yeah. Another note from this game was um, Conan Byrne put up his tweet saying that uh, Ronan Finn has scored in every league season since 2008 for UCD. So if he doesn't score tonight, this will be the first time he's Did failed since then. Um, now, yeah, no, I had a quick check online and he's right. But I was just wondering, did Finner know? He did. Because he had three or four did shots on him? goal. See him at the end? He was gunning for it. He was goal. gunning for it. He knew, but he scored in every season. I'll take the... Hmm. So soften the blow. He yeah. scored every season. So scored in the Presidents Cup in the Champions League. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, guard of honor again, prof. Another one, yeah. Nice little guard of honor, and uh, kick the game off. Early goal, six minutes. Green, a nice finish. Definitely an early goal. Yeah, nice yeah. finish. Yeah, cushioned header by Justin Ferzoy and Greener. He was on the ground, as it wasn't he. Swiped. Nice up, finish. Yeah, swiped up his left foot in the corner. Um. At home, Barney was gone mad about the commentary, <laughs> and I, I I went back and listened to a bit of it there the other day just to see what he was talking about. And for the second goal, uh, it comes from a corner, and so just imagine you're watching the the stream. So silence, right? The two guys aren't talking. Corners whipped in. Total silence. Balls whipped in, and then the main guy goes. He reminds me of a fella who played in the late 80s. Ball goes in the net. And that's the second goal for Shamrock Rovers. Uh, was in, this in not Tarquin who was on the phone? Was in it that Tarquin? Tarquin who... Uh... <laughs> no, it sounds like Declan Hughes. Who I've had on the podcast before, actually. Remember he spoke for... It could be him. It could be he spoke for eight him. years. Yeah. Other chances um, before we talk about the second goal. Um, Green out of field, didn't he? Yeah. Um, hit the post at one stage. It was one of those games where you just like got have a, have a knock around. I thought Sean Brennan mm. was very good for them at 21. Mm. He was taking off at half time. They had a lot of their first team regulars out as well. Made a couple mm. of changes but they had one eye on the promotion um, or the, the, the playoff obviously so. Yeah. The Waterford game was the following Friday. Um, they brought on some subs actually and who made a good impact. Jack they, Keane they, came they on. Actually had, well, yeah. They had a good spell in the second half until we killed it off with the second goal. Um Idemo came on for the last 22 minutes, which, as as we now know, will be his last two, 22 minutes for the club. He's, yeah. he's going to leave. So, uh, congratulations, Idemo, getting a good move. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. So, the power goal, uh, 83 minutes, took a wicked deflection, just somehow bobbled in in the end. Um, so, yeah, first goal for the club. Um, he almost looks good when he comes on doesn't he Power. Yeah. I, think, I think they like him too very very pacey they they like him for his pace and could be could be a very useful squad player next season um, yes we we broke our club record for 79 points yes broken uh, by a point and um, <laughs> yes yeah, so the points was, after prof did you see Wack and Gaff sneak out at half time because I certainly ooh, did there you go Pictures were floating around of creamy points in the points. Well, I, saw, I saw the meeting of the two Gaffneys. That was something else. Yeah, the worlds uh, exploded. Robbie and Rory. Pictures were taken of that one. Yeah, just before the points, um, Joe's pointed out three in a row with an aggregate of forty points. Mm. So we finished thirteen points ahead of Derry, and a quote from Jake here: 
Derry gave them a run in quotation marks huh? they did in their bollocks they pressured or, or under pressure they bottled um, and by the way we finished on 17 clean sheets uh, two and a half of those for Leon because he came he came on during one of the games yeah two and a half yeah, yeah actually good show so I, had, I put the stand in the group that's a 100% clean sheet record for Leon, Leon in the league this season compared to a mere 65% for Big Al disgraceful yeah no the point was good the players the players came by near most of the squad yeah no, no goalkeepers there now but um, pretty much the whole squad um, even Gideon and, t- and Justin had school in the morning G- yeah I can't yeah. wait to see more Gideon I think he's going to be a lovely there you player. go um, yeah they had good crack in the points Um Chatting to a couple of the players, Brazzer was Brazzer was in a, a great mood. Ah, what do you yeah. expect? Paying for taxis and everything. Jay Mangan got Jay Mangan <laughs> home, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, Victor was Victor in the points. I don't can't remember if he was, but um, I saw him after the game. We don't know if he's staying or not, but um, he there was a good article with him in the Mirror, talking about how he left Ukraine, as he calls it, um, his lucky ticket. Out of a war zone. Mm, I don't yeah. know if you read that. Like what Didn't he had to do like at the border. Because men are only allowed to leave Ukraine in special circumstances. Whereas the women and children were allowed to pass through. So he had to he had to like pull a few lies out to sort of to, for that to work. Oh. He basically had to a woman at the border said to him, You see those that woman and child there, they're your new family. So no he had way. to temporarily pretend that they were his family to get out of Ukraine. Jesus. And then, I think they were in a, I can't remember what country they were in briefly. I think they were in France at one stage. And then, and then they came back, then they came to Cork. He was on trial at Cove and Cork. And uh, ended up coming to us, yeah. yeah. A bit of a mad story. Oh, sorry, are we? Yeah, so that was it. All the creamy, creamy points. And another season done with Prof. Um, we'll talk about the player what year it was in a while. That was our last celebration. But Prof up next. Go Ray the Fireman Kenny. Yeah, we're joined by uh, former Roberts player Ray Kenny, 2006 First Division winner with the club. So, Ray, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Carl. Nice to be here. So, I'll go right back to the beginning, actually. Uh, you're a graduate from St. Joseph's Boys Club in Sadie Noggin. Uh, you started out as a forward, I believe. Uh, yeah, that was that was when I was only a kid. Uh, I remember that I started up in the Saturday morning league as, as loads of lads did back then in Joe's and up to, I think it was under 10s or under 11s before he actually played on a, a team in the schoolboy section, you know. But yeah, I think I remember starting midfield and we probably did play up front to start with, but um, didn't last long. Um, back back down the pitch, you were away very quickly. Keith Long and Matt Britton in that team, would you? Yeah, Keith Long, Matt Britton. Um, yeah, that was uh, that was Saturday morning league with uh, James Mulligan would have been there, uh, ex Stoke. Um, yeah, there was a, a lot of kid, a lot of lads who I suppose who started with ended up playing league of Ireland and going overseas as well. So when your schoolboy days ended, you moved on to another Dunleary based club, TK United. So you had two years in the Leinster Senior League there before uh, yeah. Pat Devlin came calling for Bray. Yeah, I signed for. Um, uh, Don Tierney was managing tech at the, at the time. I went down there for two years. Sort of, it did me the world of good, you know, straight out of school, boy. Um, then Colin Phillips and Dermot George took over tech and, and uh, 
they had not long departed Bray, so Pat was always around the place, and uh, then I signed for Bray, yeah. So five years at Bray. Obviously, the pinnacle was the, the FEI Cup win in 1999. You won the first division with your in your first season the club, but that Cup win in 99, you played in all three games in the final against Harps, two replays. So what do you remember from it? Um, I remember the season, Carl. Uh, I, I picked up some sort of a, a bug or something, a blood disorder, and I missed probably six months of the year. I don't really know. The, 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 the first FAI Cup game was the first game I'd actually started all season. Um, I played most That's of the incredible. games. incredible. Yeah, crazy. I, I, I only made it back into the squad um, the last five or six games of that season. Uh, we actually got relegated that year. I remember uh, the last game was in, in Inchicore against Pats. They received the, the, the Cup that year. They won the league. And the following week was the, uh, the Cup final. So, um, yeah, that was the first game I started. That was I think that was nil all in Talcott. Pretty dour affair, um, and then I played it subsequently the, the next two games, and we, we won the, the second replay. Then, so it was it was it was a crazy season. Like to, to uh, all the lads reminded me that they were the only three games I started. <laughs> it was it was a bit of a, a mad mad year the way it ended up, you know. Greg Bray's only two trophies were the, the cup in nineteen ninety and nineteen ninety nine. So, what were the celebrations like when you lifted the cup? That was brilliant. Um, in fairness, it, it, I don't even remember the, the first replay we were hanging on. We were Harp should have beaten us. We got it. We got a penalty in the last couple of minutes. I think, and um, our tires. My keeper saved, and tires got the, re, the rebound. But um, I think after that, we probably probably thought our name was on the cup. You know, Harps. I think we're we're, uh, we're beat after the second game with the third game. Then um, I think Jason Bourne got two that night. So it was probably just meant to be. And um, yeah, but it, it was because we got relegated that season. I suppose the cup um, was a huge. Uh, Celebration that night, you know, uh, back in Bray and went down. I think that was a Thursday night that the game was played. So that the whole weekend was a blur, to be honest, you know. But it was great. It was great. Um, a lot of the lads it was the first time they, they, they won a cup. And um, yeah, that was 99 and they'd won it previously in 1990 under Pat as well. So like you say, you got relegated, but you did qualify for the UEFA Cup where you played a grasshopper in Switzerland. Any memory from those two games? Yeah, and I played both of them games as well. Um, I remember the first leg was over in over in Zurich. Uh, we were beating four 0 I remember it, it last rain for a whole night. Uh, I don't really remember a fellow called Chapizar. He was a Swiss international. He got a hat trick that night. Uh, destroyed us, you know. But uh, I think we lost the first game four 0 They beat us four 0 in the second leg. So we didn't exactly do well in Europe. But uh, yeah, it was it was a big experience for most of the lads. For most of the the lads that year, that was the, the only time we ever played, uh, or it was certainly the first time we played European football. So it was a bit of a, yeah, it was an experience. Obviously, we didn't do, we didn't do great in the games, but it was great just to get away and uh, experience football at that level, you know. I don't know how far uh, Grasshoppers went on, but they did a couple of Swiss internationals, they were a good side. Um, Roy Hodgson was actually managing them at the time, I remember that. Uh, he just got the job that that week that we played them, so it was a good experience. That was the only time I played in Europe, but yeah. Um, great experience. I don't know if, if you remember this, but Bob McKeever, he had played in the 1990 Cup Winners' Cup for Bray and he got That's sent it. off. So his suspension carried over for nine years. That's the that right? So we didn't get to, he didn't play in the, the games against Grasshoppers? No. Yeah, I, I remember he played, it was a Trabzon score in Turkey. Um, obviously, that was where it was a Cup Winners' Cup at the time. Um, I didn't know he got sent. I didn't know that. It's mad. Yeah. 
not surprised if Ogar stepped off. I just didn't know they carried on. <laughs> <laughs> so after the cup final win, um, this is the following season. So you were playing with Bray, yeah. but halfway through the season, you're offered a place with the, the Wicklow Fire Brigade. No, the, it was actually Dublin Fire Brigade. Oh, Dublin Fire Brigade, but it had some Dublin drawbacks. Fire. So, so what were they? Yeah, um, I'd started the following season. That was the, the 99, uh, 2000. Basically, for the training car with the Fire Brigade, um, I could have continued to play. It would have been very difficult, though, because I was more or less told if I, if I picked up an injury, um, I wouldn't be able to complete the training. So uh, it was something the Fire Brigade was something I've always wanted to do. So it was it was hard. But I spoke to Pat about it. He was great about it. So uh, I, I sort of parked me. My football career for six months with the intention of getting back into it um, and that's what i done so I, I started to train in November 99 I finished around April or May and um, I didn't end up going back to Bray um, but I signed for Kenny through another fella in, in the fire brigade Sean Murray who actually played for Rovers um, a couple of previous years before that so I, I had no real intention um, of going back playing at that level I was just going to go back and play Lancer Senior League but the way things worked out um, I signed for Kenny uh, I think Pat Bourne had the job there at the time. He was player um, manager, yeah. Going, he was only yeah. Um, they, they actually, Kenny beat Waterford in the playoff, I don't know, surprisingly. So it was it was a team sort of thrown together at the last minute, from what I can remember. Um, and it didn't work out with me there. By three months there, and I ended up signing for Harps then, uh, three months into that season. And Pat Bourne was sympathetic to you, weren't you, with your, with your shift work and the nature of that, having to, you know, take yeah. time off? Absolutely, Pat was brilliant. I, I sort of explained to him because we were only effectively recruits starting off and we worked shifts, work on weekends. It was very difficult to, to get off all the time. So we sort of made an agreement that we wouldn't be at every training session, but we'd do our best to get to all the games. Um, and again, myself and Sean worked together. So we sort of travelled up and down together from, from Dublin down to Kilkenny. Uh, it worked well, but uh, I think Sean got an injury and in the end it was going up and down on my own. It just wasn't working out. So but Pat was brilliant. Um, there was a lot of missed training sessions because of work, unfortunately. Would you have seen Pat play back in the day? I would have, yeah. I remember um I remember going to Milltown with I don't know if you know this fella, Jerry Keaton is his name. He's a he's a postman from Sadie Nogan, big into rowers. Um, he was a friend of my dad at the time, when I was probably eight, nine or ten, he used to get the bus from Sadie Nogan up to Donnybrook and walk up the road to Milltown. Um, so I would have seen Pat playing in that team with the likes of Liam Buckley and Alan Campbell and you know the Harry Kenny smashing side. So that was the earliest memories, I suppose, of going to watch games was in the Newtown watching Rovers. So you end up joining the Harps, like you say. Uh, I asked their historian, Barty Ramsey, about you. He says you were a solid, tough defender, well-liked by the crowd. Uh, I think you won the First Division Cup 2002-2003, and you went yeah. close to promotion a couple of times. One was a very heartbreaking uh, yeah. situation with Derry, I think, was it? It was Longford, uh, beating on penalties. Yeah, it was it was the playoff one. Probably my most disappointing um, night of my career. Uh, we, we I think we drew the first game down at Longford, and we got them back to Finn Park. It was a two-legged thing back then. They the man sent off. I remember we were I think we were two one up, um, and we got an equaliser, and we we ended up losing on penalties. We should have won the game, and yeah, it was it was heartbreaking. We were so close, you know. We had a great season that year, and. And yeah, that's even now thinking back. That was that was probably me, me uh, most disappointing night in football. It was not just the way that the game panned out. We we played them off the park, and uh, they beat us on penalties. I remember Tom Tom Moan uh, missed missed the penalty. I felt so sorry for Tom. He's a legend up in Harps. You know, played for Derry. One things with Derry, 
it's just what it's meant to be, you know. But I, I love my time in Harps. It's probably one of my me, me favourite times during, me, during the career. Travelling was tough, tough car, but the crowd and the atmosphere up there on, on a good night was, it was very hard to beat. You were the only player not based in the Northwest, so you did your training. I was reading an interview you did with, um, with Bartley. You did your training Tuesday and Thursday with Glenmore Celtic, who, funny enough, used to train just behind yeah. the house there. So you did your coaching with them. In Dublin? Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know what the connection was there. There was um, They were playing Leicester Senior League. I know a few of the lads. Don Tierney actually was there at the time. He was training with them. I think Don was up in Harps my first year. So we used to travel up together. And um, I think Don left then after that. But yeah, I used to train Tuesday and Thursday with Glenmore and then travel up obviously on a Saturday night for the home games in Harps. And um, if Harps are playing away, no, I think the first year was a lot of games based in Dublin. Um, but I used to travel with Peter Furlong. He drove me everywhere as he did most of the, the Dublin-based players at the time. And mm. um, it wasn't easy, but it, the travelling was the hardest part. The, the lads were brilliant. The, the supporters were brilliant up there and I really enjoyed my time there. Any crack uh, in, in the drives up and down the country? Um, yeah, there was. A, we used to stop in, um, where do we used to stop? Halfway in Casablanca. So we used to have, I remember the, the night before I got married, uh, myself and Peter, we played Derry up in the Brandywell and we were coming back across the border. There was checkpoints at the time um, and we got out. We were we were in strip search with the car. Was We got out the stand at the side of the road about one o'clock in the morning. And they had dogs in and out of the car, thinking there was uh, they were asking Peter, was there any arms carried in the car? You know, I always remember that, but most of the time, to be honest with you, Carl, if I was coming off nights, I'd get into the car and I'd sleep most of the way, and Peter would call me when we get over the border. <clears throat> I'd wake up and uh, get out of the car, going to play the game, and get back into the car and go sleep again. There wasn't much company for Peter going up and down. Yeah, I've listened to um, podcast interviews with Dublin based players who have paid for harps the last year or two, the likes of Sean Boyd. Um, yeah, Dave Webster and stuff. So they've talked about having to do that drive, and I don't know how he does it. But Audi Horgan's obviously a tough sell to get players to to do that drive from Dublin. Not only does he get Dublin-based players to sign for him, but he gets players from abroad to relocate. Yeah. It's a tough job, but somehow he pulls it off. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, over the years, Harps have always had Dublin-based players. I know uh, John Walsh, the keeper, with the year we won the uh, the Cup of Bray. Uh, he was with Harps the previous couple of years. John Jerry McGettigan, you probably remember him. Uh, he's from Wicklow Town. I, I see him, he, he teaches in the town here. John played up there when when the road to Bally with Faye probably took five or six hours. You know, it's not as bad now. You have some good roads, but they always had uh, Dublin based players or Southern based players in, in the squad, um, which is unusual, I suppose, for, for such a location so so far away from, from Dublin, I suppose. You know, but it, it's walked them in. Um, Gavin Gavin Dyke signed me at the time, I think, and then uh, Jonathan Speak was the manager when Gav left. And they, they were brilliant with me, you know. As long as you were training, and as long as you were you were fit, and you and you done the business on a Saturday night, uh, there was no questions asked. They trusted you to train, and uh, it, it worked really well. You know, it's not easy, but a lot of the, the double base players, I can see the attraction even now going up there because the, the supporters are fantastic, and the, the club is it, it always called a special place in my heart. You know, the years that I had up there, I left Harps in zero three. Um, I suppose we'd had two attempts of promotion. We were still in the first division. And um, I suppose the traveling was starting to get to my two kids at the time. Um, I was living in Lucan and Kildare County had uh, formed the previous year. Um, and Dermot Keeley was the manager down there. Dermot contacted me 
and uh, it just seemed at the right time to, to probably to leave her because the travel was getting to me in the end with the, what was going on with work and, and family commitments where it was getting harder and harder uh, to make that journey. So Kildare was obviously a lot closer and did a good side at the time. And uh, yeah, I, I went from Harps to uh, Kildare County that year. That was that was for the 0-3 season, I think it was. You interviewed um, Sean Francis recently. He finished his career at Kildare County. He was there the seasons that you were there until 2005. So you were yeah. captain there. You were a club player of the year in 2004. So a couple of fond memories there from your seasons. Yeah, great memories. Yeah, we. I mean, Francis there, he... he uh, he amalgamated a really good squad there, you know. They were they were up and coming. Um, John Williams is assistant. They did a really good squad the first year. Um, I think we went close. I think Harps actually probably won. I think the year I left Harps was the year they got promoted, funny enough. Um, I think they won. I think we, we might have finished second or third. I can't remember what it was a playoff that year. Um, great memories with, with, with Clare County. Um, yeah, it was it, it was tough. I think I think Dermot left to, to, to take the, uh, the, the Derry job halfway through that season so it probably didn't help us um, he went with Gavin Dykes up to Derry but yeah I, I think I got three years up to their county and um, we were close but we're never never really good enough to to make that step up to the Premier Division you know we, we, we had a couple of decent efforts the first year or two and then I started doing the low after that So you obviously caught the eye of Pat Scuddy then who was assembling a brand new squad at Rovers having just been relegated in 2006 what was that meeting and conversation like with Pat? Yeah, Pad Pad managed the Kenny City, if you can remember that year, and they'd done really well um under Pat. And he had a very young squad. Most of the squad that he had with the Kenny ended up signing for hours 2006. Um I was 32 at the time, Carl. I was in my own mind, I was probably thinking I was going to finish up at that level and maybe go back playing in the senior league. Um I'd moved to Wicklow. Again, traveling was an issue. Um and I was leaving Kildare County at the end of the year anyway. Um so Pat approached me. I ended up doing a, an FEI coaching course with Pat. And through that, he, he gave me the option. And uh, I was delighted. Uh, I spoke to him and it was it was a no-brainer for me to, to play for Rovers. You know, I thought it might be my last year at that level. Um, so, yeah, it was, a, it was a fantastic season. I mean, I got injured early on. I, I missed the first few games. But once I got in, then I, it was it was probably the fittest I'd been uh, in my career at 22. So that tells you everything about Pat, you know. Were you mostly playing centre mid or were you sometimes centre half that season? A bit of both? Yeah, I started centre-half. Myself and Aidan Price uh, struck up a partnership with centre-half and I think we had a couple of injuries um, and I ended up going into the middle of the park and I think I finished playing probably the last 10 or 12 games in the middle of the park, which I enjoyed because I haven't played there for years. Um, yeah, it sort of gave me a new lease of life. Uh, we're a very, very young team at the time, but really, really good side and, and you know the commitment and the drive. And that was brilliant, I have to say. Um, as a manager, probably one of the best managers I'd ever experienced uh, and even at that stage of your career, and just the way you've done things, the preparation, the training, everything about it was it was a different level, you know. And all with a very very young squad. I mean, I was I was twenty two, as I said. I think during the window we brought in a couple of experienced. Uh, Joe Rowe came in, Andy Moyer. Uh, there was a couple of experienced fellas, but the majority of the squad, I'd say, were were in around twenty twenty one. So uh, we had a good year that year. We beat I think Dundalk finished close runners up to us. But I remember the last game of the season only at the Cove. We literally won it on the, the last night, and um, great night down there as well. But it, it was it was just that that season that I didn't think I'd have. I thought it was I thought it was over. Uh, my best football, but that year I really enjoyed it. At 32, and as I said, it was probably the best football I played for a long time. 
Yeah, like you say, young squad. So you were the veteran of the squad at that age. So you played 26 out of the 36 uh, league games. It was also a great FAI Cup run, uh, comeback win at Lawn, upsetting yeah. balls. So you had to pick one or two yeah. highlights from the season. What would you pick? Um, yeah, the Bowes games were great. Uh, the first game was in Talk. I think we drew one all. We beat them in Daily Mountain. I think we beat them 2 0. Um, yeah, because again, I remember that I was, I was suspended for the semi finals. Pat beat us in Talk. I think with the yellow card, it might have been down with Lone. I had a one match uh, ban for the, for the semi final against Pats. Um, that was disappointing. But yeah, the, the whole season, I suppose, uh, the highlight probably would have been down in Coven because I think mathematically, Goldock could still win the league. Um, but we got a draw, I think, down in Cove. I remember uh, Toy Corsa got a, an equaliser about 10 minutes to go. It was mad celebrations down there. It was a huge Rovers following down there that night. Uh, but I suppose that the, the Bowes games probably uh, made us realise how how, uh, how good we were that year. It's hard to sort of gauge yourself against um, Premier Division teams when you're playing in the Fourth Division all year. But uh, obviously, the rivalry between Bowes and Rovers, um, that was that was a brilliant night in, in Daily Mount. We beat them in the replay. You mentioned the fans there. It was coined uh, Discover Ireland by the Rovers fans because there was a lot of away trips. Uh, mm. But part as they travelled up and down the country in the numbers, didn't they? And they, there seemed to be a bond with that young team. Yeah, there was. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for years, obviously, Rovers in Premier Division, the majority of games, Bardalise, Derry, Slido, <laughs> Cork, uh, are, are all Dublin Dublin games. So that year, I mean, we had we had Finn Harps, we had uh, Monaghan, Dundalk, um, Cove, Limerick, I think, were in the year that year. You know, it was it? I think there was only, I'm trying to think, was there any Dublin based games? Um, no, there wasn't any. Wasn't any, no. Yeah, every second week, obviously, we're on the road, you know. But the supporters travelled, as Robert supporters always do, you know. And um, I think we had a good start to the season. So we, we were always up there, thereabouts, between ourselves and the Dockman, I can remember. But the supporters were fantastic. I remember, I remember obviously playing against Rovers teams over the year and I knew what the supporters were like on the other end of it so to have them supporting you the way they did was, was, was brilliant you know it really was So you played an important part in that in that promotion season and a comment here from a fan Emma Wheatley she says uh, I think that was the first year the club did a jersey auction at the end of the year and uh, Ray was her player of the year that year she says also Paddy Delahunty's uh, the late Paddy Delahunty, great fan. Sadly, we lost yeah. him. But uh, so we ended up in a bidding war for his jersey. And Emma says she ended up paying 500 euro for it, she reckons. And when it was presented at the Player of the Year Awards and you found out how much it had cost her, you said something on the lines of, fuck off, were you pissed watching games this season? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think I remember something about that, all right. Um, the lads were, were winding me up at the time. I didn't know anything about the auction of the jerseys, and the lads were saying they were watching the bid, and uh, my jersey was going for crazy money. But I obviously found out why, because they were bidding against each other, not knowing they were each were bidding for it, you know. Uh, I actually forgot all about that, yeah. Um, <laughs> the lads reminded me of that, actually. I remember that night, it was, I think it was in... Um, was it the? Oh, it was. I can't remember. There's a venue in town. I can't remember the name, but they're off Grafton Street, and they, they actually presented the jerseys on the night to the to support. It was a brilliant night. But yeah, just I forgot all about that, Carl. And also, notably that season, we were featured on Football Monday Isle. So this was in July 2006. 
the feature match was Shamrock Rovers at home to Finn Harps. Uh, funny enough, because we're this is what we're doing the interview for for this for the home game versus Harps next yeah. week. So we won that game 2 0. Uh, mm-hmm. so they filmed you in your uniform at the fire station, and uh, they actually filmed you cutting someone out of a car. But I presume that was a training exercise. Uh, Barry Murphy so. playing balls. Uh, so what do you remember from this whole experience? <laughs> I don't know how it came about. I remember Barry and uh, William Aiden for our. Uh, I don't know who it was. I remember, yeah, the ball and um, and he, I think he obviously latched onto the fact that I was a fireman, you know. So he thought that was interesting. Uh, he sent the fa- film crew out to Dunleary Fire Station, where I had to, uh, yeah, I think to get into the truck and I drove around the yard putting sirens and lights on, and uh, there was there was a feature on Football Mundial for about two or three minutes of it. Uh, yeah, bizarre. Um, Again, I've forgotten about that as well. I think I have a DVD. I think they sent me a DVD of the actual episode of the the, the program. Um, but you, as you can imagine, all I got out of that was slagging from the lads. <laughs> but it was uh, something different. Well, that was my next question. What was the reaction to people when it aired on Sky? So slagging, basically. Maybe lads taking the piss out of me, yeah, as, as, as footballers tend to do, you know. Um, I think they had a, a film crew in there. I remember it was in Falka that night. They had a film crew in the dressing room as well. Um, and uh, a lot of Razzabeth has, but yeah, it was, it was something different, I suppose, a distraction. Still on YouTube as well, if you want to check it out there. But, it? Um, okay. So how are you finding balancing everything with work at that point and Robbers? That was tough. Um, it was tough. Some of the sessions were in the mornings and I couldn't make them, but I, I remember that year in particular, Carl, um, obviously it, it, if I'm working, I need to get away earlier. It, it is very strict as to when you can leave, but you can't just take a half day. I'd have to get someone in to cover me. So if I was leaving, I'd have to ring you, say, if you were coming on that night. So it was a lot of looking forward to uh, trying to swap your shift. So my time that was due off to me was generally uh, used up by paying lads back for, for getting nights off for games or for training. It was difficult, but I have to say, uh, looking back at it now, I have great memories of it. It, it was it was very challenging. Um, it would have been anyway uh, Tuesday and Thursday, but I think that year... We, we, we could train three or four nights some weeks. The night before a game was something new to me that we always trained. Uh, we were training in Crumlin Swimbill there and we trained, uh, we moved around a little bit, but yeah. It, it was Stanaway Park as well, was it? Stanaway Park, that's right, yeah. Yeah, we done a pre-season up in um, Kiltipper, up in Postal uh, United's ground up there. So we moved around, but as the, the training would pass and uh Demo was always different. There was never anything boring about training, you know. Training, everyone loved training. It, it was tough. It really was. It was sharp, and I think that uh, that prepared us for the games. It was. It was something I. I always remember the, the Friday night. If we played on a Saturday night, we trained on a Friday night, and it was it was a full session. You know, it was, there was no uh, there was no holes barred, and I remember thinking this is something different. But it, it did prepare you for for the game the following night, um, and it obviously worked over the season as well. But yeah, work, work was different, but it was worth it. You know, I. I um, I always had to juggle walk around football and obviously at that stage I think I'd I think I'd three kids, maybe four kids at the time. So it wasn't easy, but it was yeah, it was it was well watered. You spoke fondly of Pat Scully there a moment ago. Um I interviewed him last year and it was a fascinating listen uh, about that whole season. He obviously yeah. set very high standards for everybody and he expected them to be met. I mean, he went through thirty seven players that year. Incredible yeah. number. So did you like that approach and how demanding it was? I did, yeah. I, I've always, I always liked it, the professional side of a car, the, you know, the, the training, the the application, everything that goes with it. Um, and he, he brought it to a new level. I remember we had a meeting pre-season with uh, Dr. Alan Bourne 
and just everyone in the room was all geared towards winning promotion back to the Premier Division, you know, after they were obviously so disappointed they got relegated. Um, and I just knew from the from the, the that meeting that uh, anyone that had wasn't going to buy into it, and um, they wouldn't last long with the club, you know. And and he just demanded so much, but the rewards were there. Um, but I, I probably never had a manager who who was so committed and believed uh, in the in the team. And, and again, I mentioned that a lot of the lads were had probably never played at that level before, and um, so we got the best out of the players because of his methods and uh, even the experience. I remember myself and Andy Moyler and other experienced fellas talking about it saying it was we'd never experienced that like just the intensity of training and, and what he demanded from people but yeah he was a huge respect for that because uh he got the he got the results and he got what he wanted out of the season so why did you end up going back to bray then in 2007 yeah um i did two year deal with rovers and uh i don't know whether patrick thought of it. i was i was 23 at this stage then going into that season and uh he brought a couple of fellas in and um I wasn't at that age. I probably wasn't going to sit on the bench, Carl. And uh, I, I approached Eddie. Eddie Gormley was at Bray at the time, and uh, I sort of went there, still believing I could do a job. I, I was in and out of the team with Bray that year, and um, frustrating. But I suppose I think we played Rovers twice. One I can remember. Um, Bray were a good side at the time. I, I probably played half the, you know, the games. Um, and then I did another year with Bray after that. That was 2007, 2008. I had that year where I thought, I actually played probably more in 2008 and I was ready to pack it in then at 34. And then um, Alan, oh, what's that? Alan Goff got the Longford job um, and he asked me to get down there as his captain. And uh, I won year then in, I think that was 2009 with Longford in the first division. Um, didn't particularly enjoy that uh, year, to be honest with you, Carl. Again, it was back to a lot of travelling. Um, kids had come along and a lot more commitment to work as well. So that was the year, I suppose, that most fellas have when you know this is the time to call it a day now, you know. According to Wikipedia, you were voted 2007 Bray Wanderers Hard Man of the Year. I've, was I? I've never heard of <laughs> such an award, but that, that's what it says. I didn't. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I barely played the Golden Seven. <laughs> right. Um, so before we record this evening, you said you were coaching kids. So um, so where is that you're coaching? Yeah, I'm coaching Wicklow Rovers. Uh, my own lad is under 16s in the, the Wicklow League. Um, I only got, I, I've done that over the years, but I sort of stepped away from it a few years because of work commitments. But I got back into it then uh, about two years ago. Girl, and I'm actually really enjoying it. Um, it's it's not at the level of the DDSL say, but he loves it. And they're a good group of kids. He won a few things in the Wicklow League, um, when the, the final of the SFA uh, now next week. So it's something uh, as previously mentioned. I did a DD way for B with Pat that time in 2006, and I never really used it since then. So it's it's enjoyable to give something back to the local kids. Uh, they're a good club, and uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying that, that that end of it. You know, would you still watch League of Ireland? Um. Be honest with you, I, I, I wouldn't watch as much as I, I probably could or should. I've been up to Bray a few times, and um, no, I, I sort of lost touch with Lee Warren. To be honest, again, we're, we're working five kids now and, and the job, so it's uh, it's it's difficult. And I work Friday nights and Saturday nights, so a lot of the times, and um, I, I I should and could make a bigger effort uh, to go to games. So I, I still obviously there's a game on the telly, I'd watch it, and I'd always keep an eye on the likes of Rovers and Harps results and Bray's results, but. Uh, no, I've lost touch with, with League of Warren, to be honest with you. 
Are you still based in Dunleary? As in, are you still a fireman in in Dunleary? Yeah, yeah, still part of Dublin Fire Brigade, based in Dunleary. Yeah. And what made you want to become one in the first place? Fireman. Yeah. And um, my dad was a fireman, and I suppose from a young age it was from watching him, and um, so I always had it as something I I, I aspired to be. Um, I got for a few times before that um, and didn't get in so there used to be a thing Carl you used to have to 25 or under so I was I think I was 23, 24 when I applied for thinking this would be my last chance and lucky enough I got in I got called then um, in November 99 so I probably that was my last chance I don't know what I would have done I'd have not been in there um, I suppose I knew it was it was just from, from watching my dad the shift work was difficult you know you miss an awful lot of things um, you walk weekends, nights, Christmas, and that, but it's the job is great. I love the job. Any crazy or interesting stories you'd be willing to share from, from the job? It's a job now. No, I would. I, I just, there's so many. I mean, the, the great thing about it is you don't know what you're going into, you know, between delivering babies and um, stuff that you probably don't want to see. Um, we do, we're paramedics as well, so we walk the ambulance and the truck and we share both of them. So, yeah, a lot of the stuff I, I probably, yeah, so many good stories that you, you remember, but a lot of the stuff you, you try not to, you know, would, uh, I probably wouldn't go through the whole lot of that memories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Ray Kenny, um, tug of war prof between, um, I was going to make a joke about Emmett and footballers shorts having a tug of war, but <laughs> we won't go with that one. Oh, with Paddy Delahunty, yeah, that, that was a great, I've now seen a pattern here with some of my interviews this season. Um, 500 quid yeah someone will send in a question which I think oh it's a great question have you still got it Emma I can't away? remember it. I can't wait to hear what he says about this I'll ask the question and I'm like jeez I totally forgot about that but then they'll remember it because I've refreshed their memory yeah that was good yeah 500 for sure that's something else but it was um, a really enjoyable interview and it seems like a cool bloke like, you know like being a so he when he was with Harps he trained with Glenmore which was pretty cool yeah, behind um, my gaff. Yeah, that was nuts. Well, they were probably in Dundrum we by then. We might though. have seen him if they were behind the gaff because we used to go and watch them train. They moved to Dundrum to the hills and so I'd say he was, they were gone by the then. The one thing that. I always remember when we were out playing ball out there was there was one fella who used to call himself Batman because he flies I down know, the yeah. Do you remember yeah. that? I definitely remember Darren Maguire now. He was there. <laughs> yeah, he was trained with fantastic hair. Um, Balancing football with the the fire service is fascinating I think because there's no messing there like you can't yeah. just bunk off which none of us have ever done it on a post and gone to games because mm. we'd finish our full shift and then we'd go but in circumstances being a fireman where you have to actually get some of the cover half your shift because they can't be one down which must have been challenging yeah. at times as well how physically demanding is that like football and being a fireman he's a real man week. yeah um, the football Monday Al story um, I always like that one. It's still on YouTube, isn't it? Yeah, Check yeah, it out. definitely still there. Um, I don't think I read the sound of the podcast. I had a, I had a note here. Um, I think when I was asking for questions for Ray Kenny, uh, Brian sent this in. I, don't, I can't remember who, which Brian. It could be Brian McKenna. And he said Ray was an important but unfashionable addition by Scuddy, a man's man of a midfielder, blood and guts. Just what the young lads needed around them. He provided the platform for Dave Cassidy, for instance. Himself, Aidan Price and Andy Myler were the spine. Excellent, excellent description description. there, Prof. And I did that ages ago for the programme. 
for Finn Harp's issue. And you know, you know my Snapchat in the program where I kind of asked him questions, favorite this, favorite that. Yeah. And I one of them is biggest spoofer, and he chose Alan Cody, which I was delighted about. He is. We yeah. all know. Yeah. So great stuff from Ray Kenny, and um, we move on, Prof. We have Maher, Gaffney, Fruja, and clearly we're putting a standby for Ireland squad. So brilliant, brilliant. And how about that for the end of the season for Cleary? And uh, Fruja as well. He obviously likes Fruja. So good to hear. Uh, I mean, if you take a, st- a step back from Rovers and, and our love of Gaffney, it's you could say it's a bit of a mad one. It's a 33-year-old who's never been called up before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does he have a future with Ireland? Maybe not. You could probably compare him a bit to Darren Murphy. Because no, I don't so. th- don't think he was called up till he was thirty three, and well, at least he got his first goal anyway at thirty three. So I remember a stat about that. So he was a late bloomer on the international scene, but um, incredible, really, isn't it? like three Rovers players, brilliant on standby. Well, possibly when you when you hear it like that. But our, our first thought was, oh no, Gaffney can't drink now as a player of the year awards. <laughs> <he was on laughs> yeah, we were thinking <laughs> who are we gonna get to replace him as well. Yeah. We were kind of hoping he wouldn't get called up. Yeah. But uh, as you mentioned, Prop Play the Year Awards, we had our Tifties Play the Year Awards at the Clayton Hotel in Liffey Valley last Friday, and um, a lot of a lot of prep went into it, a lot of a lot of hard work went into getting it to put together. But it went actually went perfectly, bar a couple of audio hiccups. But um, it was it was great crack because we were there early on, and we met with the band, we met with everybody, everything was everything came together. And a big shout out to the likes of Gar, Brennan, Ozzy, Nay. Um, Deco Fitz, uh, Philly, who helped me out with some with some media stuff, Assure Media, like every, everybody that put all the hard work and effort in, and really helped out my wife as well, who was brilliant when it came to actually putting the foot down with a few little things that I could possibly struggle with as regards to the hotel venue and them kind of being a little bit slack, and she'd be like, "Fuck that." You know, like not enough food and some food being cold and the audio being bad and she she'd be like, Right, I'm fucking sorting this out. So it was like <laughs> I'd be a little bit soft with and nice with people. She kinda of put her foot down, she organised a lot for us as well. So it was brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant fucking night and um, Absolutely fair play because I I've seen the I've not seen it personally, but I've seen you I've heard you talk about it and you've talked to me about it like the weeks and the building up to it. So I'm aware of how much time you put into this and it was absolutely brilliant night. Anything I mean, for a piss up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the mics thing was it was frustrating. I mean, we sussed it out in the end. What yeah. the problem was, I mean, there was a lot. There was a few issues, but Deco was straight on it. Like it's when you yeah. have someone as as a creative as Deco fits on your side who can put his hand to anything. See the bingo board he made. He made a big tifty sign. Like he's the bingo bar was brilliant. brilliant. Yeah. He's, he's such a creative uh, force. I sent in a few suggestions for the bingo board, and one of them was Gogglebox. And I was delighted when Jason Maloney tried to slag you and he said Gaga Box and I was like, Yes, and no. the bell rang and you're like, You're not laughing there, are you? No, I had the, I had the fucking yeah. shot was nuts as well. It was yeah. a tough one. Oh yeah, I got one, yeah. You got one, the yeah. The very first one called out. You got on the mic gunning for you. And you're like, Prof, prof, do the shot. I was like, gunning for really, you. Really, the first one. I really was. I ended up taking him during the Gaffney interview I can't remember what the word was but yeah I did I did one shot anyway um, but yeah uh, no, absolutely cracking like, someone compared it to like when you walk in it looked like a wedding and then by the end of the night because the band were like a wedding band proper like a great band and everyone was up dancing 
And then you're just like, this actually does feel like a wedding. <laughs> That's what I kind of styled it on, you know, yeah. like a wedding and just everybody having a go. Can we talk about the questions as well? Can we talk about Keith Doyle? We can. Uh, I want to set this up I first. still don't know what he did, what the question was. I want to set this up first, right, Gary? Then you, I found out. You, he was at my table. So Keith puts his hand up, you come over to him. And immediately, James Lowe is to my, don't. To my left. He's like, no, Gary, don't, Gary. So then he comes by James. Don't like, give him no, the mic. Like, Gary, Gary, don't give him the mic. Don't Gary, <laughs> Gary. No, Gary, don't give him the mic. And you're like, no, no, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> and you give him the mic. And he proceeds to ask the most nonsensical gibberish. <laughs> All I heard was, do you think you like Blackpool for your holidays? He, spoke, he, did, he didn't say that. He said something about... If you need any numbers or something for Blackpool. If you would be interested in any ladies of the night, <laughs> please let me know and I can put you in that right direction to our brand new under 21 footballer, Andy Lyons. <laughs> Thanks, Keith. There's a reason you're bird. Um, oh yeah. my God. And then um, Emma Crawley, um, doing her best Keith impression, proceeded to ask something about socks to Rory Gaffney. Um, I didn't catch any of it to be honest and then Rory just just kind of interrupted near the end and he goes uh, to be honest the socks are just awful tight <laughs> yeah there yeah. you go yeah. Um, other questions um, someone I can't remember how it came up just I think was it you who asked has anyone done all seven European trips yeah yeah oh, yeah. I and I Ryan the Grill um, I don't know if he's possibly the only person in the room who did it I know Seven or eight people did it. Dangerous Dave, you know, possibly up there with the bullet. Yeah, I think Dave did it as well, actually, yeah. Um, no, but Ryan the Grill, he's behind me. <laughs> the most hesitant standing up. Mortified. I a, knew he'd be mortified. The most hesitant standing up of a human man <laughs> you will ever see. Eventually he stood up, but he was mortified. Yeah, yeah that's him all over. Uh, more coloured armbands Gar, which is never good don't, don't, want, don't want people handing in memberships um, Keith's question for Andy yeah. we chanted Gaffney for Ireland yeah uh, great great response from the crowd as well the the call and response and just the participation as well was brilliant didn't take much did it I didn't have I didn't have many complaints I, I just remember being absolutely baffled that Sean Hoare was last because I remember in the run, that was my only complaint. I remember in the running order, right? And Gaffney yeah. was on. I'm thinking, geez, we're doing, we're making good time here. And then Gar was like, Gar, you fucking put him on before fucking Gaffney. I was like, no, Sean <laughs> Hart shouldn't have been there. Sean Hart shouldn't be last. Yeah, well, listen, it went we, well because we had a bit of prep the night before, and we we're like, right, we'll announce Andy halfway through and Rory at the end when he's up there. Yeah, but um, but big shout out to Connor yeah. Guards as well. They were absolutely fantastic. Like mm. they just commanded the room there's charm there's wit there's a bit of fucking snappiness to it as well they were just absolutely class like you say we're blessed to have them because if you listen to some of the other commentary teams there's a few amateurs there's a few weirdos there's a few I don't know what they're doing they're biased they've got annoying voices yeah, like <laughs> we've got we've got Gareth and and, uh, and Con Murphy like we are blessed although maybe maybe Gareth you know read the notes in front of you now and then then you would have known that it was 9 goals 9 assists for yep. Andy Lyons and not 7-7 seven, seven. that's all I'm saying just you know maybe read the notes that They're the stats gave you right in front of you that the stats professionals literally gave you. right in front of you there you go uh, great photos by Mark McDermott uh, black and white ones did you see them 
I put them in the group. Yeah, absolutely fantastic stuff. Um, Retweeted yeah. by the guards, man. Yeah, there you go. Also, and the photographs that were presented. That was by George Kelly and Mark, yeah. George Kelly and Mark. Bit of a tug of war going on here because a couple of them end up getting stroked. No names being said. Tommy Fields. Ooh. But one of them was nearly in Australia. So, one of, they, they, here's the story. So, Tommy uh, was, was asked to mind a couple of them, I think it was. So... I, I was putting it out there I was like lads who has the fucking picks like who ha- Finnar actually wants it back Finnar texted and he was like Can't, I actually would like that pick back so I'm putting it out there going oh. and Tommy texts me he goes ah Jackie his wife says Jackie says I came home and I had it in the air like the World Cup and I was fucking parading around the house with it and then the next day I woke up and I had packed it to send away to Sean in Australia he was that drunk he was sending it off to Australia to Sean the fielder so he says it's 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 uh, there unbelievable. Yeah, there was a few a few funny stories from Murray. Um, Kieran, Kieran Gentleman, he uh, he got photos of all the players, and he showed me one, and I can't remember which player he it may have been Manus, and he said, oh yeah, some some woman was taking the, took this photo for me, and she took a couple, and she took this one here. And then he showed me, and it's just her going, <laughs> <laughs> just her like a little something for later. Her hands in the air, like what are you doing? Um, yeah. What else we got? Uh, Garts again, picking on Garts now, trying to bring the green jumper back. Remember yeah. the remember the Bradley green jumpers? Yeah, fantastic. Stuff. He must know about signings. He knows something. He bro. knows. I thought it was going to be announced on the spot. Why else was he wearing the jumpers, Gar? But um, yeah, absolutely brilliant night. Tifty's player of the year, or. Totes Player of the Year if you are uh, Fergal from the Four Problems. How long are we going there and he still says we're called Totes? Totes. Because you, you, I, I had to collect something from him in the Four Problems down the road and I was dealing with James the barman and he was like oh I know this is a bill this is a bill to Totes. And I'm like the Just roll with it prof. The yes it's those Totes. Give, the me, totes. give it to me. Yeah Totes balls. No absolutely brilliant night. Um, yeah, so that, that was pretty much it. Oh, by the way, compare that to the Dundalk Player of the Year. The Dundalk Podcast Player of the Year. Absolutely wild scenes involving 14 men in a pub. The Baldies Convention. <laughs> um, yeah, we big big shout out to uh, everyone who bought a ticket as well and the players who brought signed memorabilia and, of course, the club who provided a signed jersey. Um, we're going to donate every penny to Avian's Pink Toy, I think is the name of the recommended one. So that's all going to go to all kids with leukemia and, and cancer. I think it was 1,200 quid we raised. So big shout out to everybody who bought one. And Chili Dog, who won the big prize, he spent about 100 quid on tickets. So I think... You want to win it, so there was that many going in, and of course, Ocean Electrical who won two prizes, which wasn't a fix. But Craig fucking Matten wins everything, everything shouldn't, but it does. So that's it, shouldn't be allowed that just like Gar Brennan shouldn't be allowed to enter the golden goal, yeah, yeah, yeah. But brilliant, brilliant night, and that was uh, that was it pretty much. Not no, no more events for a while, prof. And um, we look forward to the start of the season. Yes, on the same night, UCD surprised Waterford win a 1 0 stay in the Premier Division with a, a 94 minute. Dramatic penal miss. Um, Blazed over the bar by sick, Junior. Yeah, sick. I really was. Never should have been given in the first place. Absolutely shocking decision. Did you see it? No. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, it was ridiculous. But in saying that, man, Just come a stone, on. though. Yeah. We want Waterford up, really, Prof. Come on. Yeah, I wanted them up, but... Uh, 
I wouldn't want him to go up based on that penalty. Maybe so, Abs- yeah. Maybe so. Incredible decision. Um, no one gave use of the hope. In fairness, like weren't they adrift at one stage? I think they were. I think they were like I don't. It's an amazing feat by Andy Moyler, and he should probably jump ship now if he gets any sort of decent mm. deal because he'll never do anything like that again. Because that was crazy. They were well away from the from Harps, mm. and Harps just fucking fell apart. So. He's a good manager. I mean, he uh, cut his teeth with us, didn't he? Even the A Championship team. Definitely, yeah. And the 2010, 19s possibly as well. 2011, yeah. Uh, got UCD up and now he's, he's kept them up. And they played nice um, football as well. Some good little players. I just felt the writing was on the wall for Harps all season. I just, I never felt like Oddie had one more rabbit in the hat. No, but what I will say is they're, they're going to be fucked for a manager who will give them that dedication. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what I'd be worried about. So, um, um, but yeah Waterford not going up is a disaster I mean obviously Patterson will leave but uh, they just seem like it. Like they destroyed Galway in the Marcus Field in the semi-final so no, pro- no promotion for Caulfield and Galway um, Roddy Collins prof yeah. he wrote that Rovers are two or three years ahead of the chasing pack he said if I was buying a Christmas present for a football fan it'd be a Rovers season ticket because when you go to Tallis Stadium you don't just get a football match you get an experience I know a Pats fan who has a season ticket for Rovers I'm serious I'm serious. I'm serious. Pops along every so what for experience. He doesn't cheer on when when Rovers score, but he enjoys everything that this brilliant stadium has to offer. Ah, never happened of the year, Ward. <laughs> Biggest never happened of the season. Ah, uh, I love when he does this. That is ridiculous. I just love when he just. I'm just gonna make something up now. That has never happened. So um, well, now maybe European games. Is he saying this fella actually goes along to league games and pass their playing? Never happened. If he means European games, then yeah, it is possible. Um, no, didn't happen. Uh, Dundalk needed three goals to pip Derry for second place. They won 1-0 at the Brandywell. Um, that yeah. would have been hilarious, actually, if uh, the best team in the league had finished third. Um, that Derry article is not going to get any airtime <laughs> on this podcast because... We only cover journalism, not primary school <laughs> projects. So, listeners, was it that bad? Listeners, do not send in drawings of your uh, by your eight-year-old of Neil Fruja because we won't publish them on Twitter. <laughs> uh, only interest in journalism, so <laughs> won't get any airing in this podcast. It was ridiculous that fucking. It really was like stop. Don't give them airtime. Um, junior hoops had their meet the squad day. This was brilliant. This was nuts. So when you go into the road zone, the left-hand side, they have this indoor pitch and weight area. It's brilliant. And um, they went in and it was about 100 kids versus eight or nine players. And it was mayhem. It was brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant day by the Junior Hoops again. Junior Hoops squad. Um, they, they're doing so much. They're doing so much. And don't forget, if you want to join the Junior Hoops and you want to be part of the festivities this year, you can buy it as an add-on, 15 quid, top of your season ticket, which have been released today. Um, we'll talk about that in a while so yeah Junior Hoops that's uh, a bargain they were, they were brilliant they really were they do so much for the club and it was absolutely hilarious at one stage Pico was getting lumped around like I'm talking kicking the shins punches there's some kids out there that just like to inflict violence on people there was a couple of them there I and I'm looking at Pico and Pico I'm thinking Pico just fucking kick him it's a game of ball you can get away with it I can see why this is being done at the end of the season yeah <laughs> they're, exactly they're, yeah. They're it, was <laughs> it was brilliant brilliant it really was great day out yeah. Uh, we talked about Ollie Horgan leaving Harps. They're fucked. Yeah, that means that Bra- Brazier is now the longest serving manager in the League of Ireland. Fantastic because stuff. it was previously Ollie Horgan and Keith Long. They were the top two. Yep. 
And now they're both gone, so now it's Brazzers, six oh, Brazzers, years. top dog. Uh, mm-hmm. So Hampton owners have taken o- take over bid for Shelbourne, and this spells a little bit of trouble as regards the financial pull as well. We spoke about the likes of Derry being having a few quid, but ultimately players might not want to go up and live in Derry. Might not want to up sticks and go and live in outside the pale, but this could spell trouble if they do decide to invest well. And mm. let's say they, like Tolka gets a revamp and they start giving big money, could spell trouble. You know, I welcome competition. I say, bring no, it on. I've, I've felt now for a while that Shelburne will be the next challengers. This is but this is before investment, even before Damien Duff. Mm. I just Shelburne have been doing a lot of right things behind the scenes, so I think they are going to be coming in the next few years. Um, obviously, this is a game changer now. That if uh, if is. this takeover happens, the dairy owner is talking. In the media there, he's talking about basically opening the, the war chest. And he's talking about now, yeah, they have their sights on the on the title next season. So, yeah, yeah. So we know we know our challenges for the four in a row. Maybe not, maybe not Shelburne next season. No, Shelburne. I mean, they were. We'll be in with a sniff of it next year. That's you know? something I find a bit. Like, I understand. If, God forbid you put yourself in the mind of a Shells fan. You're in your first cup final since 2011 haven't won it since 2000 you're getting excited but you finished mid-table like 20-30 points or whatever off the top and you're using phrases like shells are back we're on the rise sleeping giant and all I'd be waiting until I did something mm. before using phrases of that and then they get hockeyed 4-0 and like you just tonked, feel prof. Talk, hot, geez, tonked tonked 4-0 and then you kind of feel a bit embarrassed but but they, yeah uh, they, they kind of got their priorities mixed up as regards mm. to that but they're, I think they're going places anyway yeah Rory Gaffney um, prof but before that our old friend the BB remember him ah BB the, the best chant ever you didn't he just chanted his name and he was offended BB <laughs> you getting offended like yeah Dundalk goalkeeper um, Albanian wasn't he yeah has signed for a team at the bottom of Serie B really there you go. Oh, we must know someone. Rory Gaffney, Dan Cleary, prof nominated for the SSE Etricity SWI Player of the Month for October. And I was won by Gaffney. This fucker needs a new mantelpiece because it's ridiculous the amount of silverware he's gotten this year. Nuts. That's his first for, for um, first league award, I think, of mm. the year. Like um, Andy Lyons won it a couple of months ago. And that was the first of the season. And that was the first since Danny Mandrew, Mandrew the previous year. Mm-hmm. Big Al winning the club's player of the month for the third one in a row as well. Well deserved, Big Al. Doing well. And Gaffney's Shells goal of the month for October. So, uh, sweet volley put back across. And of course, we know what happened after that. Yeah, that was that was a landslide, that Gaffney goal in the vote. But Manus's win, that was a very narrow victory. 39 to 38% over Gaffney. 39 to 38, literally a vote yeah. or two. So what else have we got here, Prof? We have... We have the League Player of the Year nominations. League Player of the Year. And it is... Gaffney, uh, Connolly and Dummigan. Very uh, defensive, you could say. I like Connolly. I have to say Connolly's a very, very good player. Um, mm-hmm. Dominate, but that's definitely going to get won by Gaffney. So that's another gong he's going to take home. Yeah, Young Player of the Year. We got Lyons, Redmond, Patterson. Yeah, Lyons to sweep that one as well. Yeah, On nice. paper, you can't take it away from him. Um, some pundits picks for Team of the Year have came in early and they were awful. Certainly were. Like, what? Nobody's picking Manus for starters. They're all, they're all picking Shepard. Shepard? Shepard. Not all, even Marr. 
Now, Manus, yeah, Mar got in the league player of the year awards, but uh, you know, Boz.ie and nobody watches the Conan, league. Uh, who, you know, guys in the paper picking players or picking teams. They're all picking Shepherd and goal. Ridiculous carry on. What is it about people's teams of the year? Why don't they look at the league winners and the clean sheets and the goals you know what it is? column? Because they want to look a little bit different than left field. They want to pick a... Oh, well, he's kind of... It's very balls, isn't it? But Just is that not what goalkeepers and defenders are judged on? Yeah, it is pretty much it. I think what you judge it on is clean sheets, league medals, and who wins the league. Like so. Now, it's not even a case of... Like, years ago, under Kenny, right, Gary Rogers probably didn't have a whole lot to do in... In a lot of those league games. Yeah. Not the case with Manus this year. Manus has had not a lot to do for spells. But then when called upon, he'd be pulling off amazing saves. Yep. Very much so, yeah. So... And the official one prop as well for Derry players in the PFAI team. The year, three rovers, Andy Lyons, Jack Bourne, Roddy Gaffney. Um, Gary O'Neill robbed here, in my opinion, as well. I think Forrester shouldn't have been anywhere near it. It's a crazy one. Forrester, yeah. Well, this is another one... All the experts, so-called, those teams, and the official one here that we're talking about. I can't... If you don't have Sean Horn... I, no, but that's the sideboard players, am I right? Yeah, yeah. But I can't take it seriously. If you don't have Sean Horn in this team... Sean Horn and... Um, like, how is Sean Horn not in that? An ever-present. And he's been brilliant all season, and he doesn't get in, so... Listen, yep. it's just what players think, isn't it? Pico's lucky because he missed a spell injured. You missed eight league games, which isn't... It's not half a season or anything, but it's, it was a significant period in the season. Yeah. So I think people are going to kind of forget about him. But he's still definitely our best and most influential defender. But I think Har has been our best defender over 50-plus games yep. this season. Um, ah, he's been unbelievable at times. During his, at the UCD game, he went on a run, like fucking Ronaldinho. And he was flicking the ball around people, so... <laughs> Um, the league Twitter account put up some Gaffney league stats uh, 10 goals 8 assists 32 shots on target 70% pass completion in 35 appearances I'm loving this now yeah um, people like reacting negatively to the team of the year I don't expect there to be 7 or 8 rowers players in there I just find it, just find it ridiculous when the goalkeepers and the centre backs are almost never in there and a shoe in. Sean Horror was a fucking shoe in. So I'm not. I'm not saying there should be eight players in there. I'm just saying Jack Byrne had a good season. Certainly based on his, he topped the assist charts. He played more games than you think he did. Everyone has this myth that he missed half the season. He actually didn't. He played a lot of games. Yeah. Um. Some people feel Watt should be in there. Some feel people feel he shouldn't be anywhere near it. A lot of people feel Gary O'Neill should be in there. Um. So, yeah, I think we're worthy of five selections mm. in the team of the year, not three. Sounds about right, yeah. Five yeah. sounds about right for league winners. Leighton Doyle, these votes are a farce. It's like the final tour of the season doesn't matter as the votes are cast way too early. The irony is that the best players usually perform at the business end of the season. Farce. Very vocal Leighton Doyle gave out to me for announcing our one as well, but I don't think it would have changed the outcome. Young Andy Lyons and Rory Gaffney. We announced ours with like three games left. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. if you haven't made up your mind by then, there's also a referee of the year award, which I wasn't aware Who of. Who decides that? Two cabbages <laughs> Cabbage in the FC. nominees, Gare. Not fit to referee a Leinster Senior League game. Oh, prof with some damning criticism here. Am I wrong? Hennessy? No, you're right. Hennessy. Totally agree, yeah. Absolute spoofer. 
spoofer of a bloke. I think you need some humility and you need some common sense when it comes to being a ref and you know, shouldn't have an ego. And I think some referees, their ego affects how they actually perform and make decisions because they don't feel like they can be wrong at any time. Like, if you if you get it wrong and someone says to you, like, the line says, okay, you got that one wrong, then just put your hands up and say, yep, got it wrong. It's no problem. These things happen. A lot of them will just continue on and double down with their shyness. I think Neil Doyle wins that by default. He's the least worst of the three. Yeah. <laughs> Gambazunu, young international player of the year, FAI, so that's him. Done Dustin, nice little award there. Do we get money for that? No? No money? <laughs> we got more add-ons, do you? Yeah, yeah. There he won the FAI Cup on Sunday in a tonking versus shells. Tonk. Um, so, tonk. <laughs> we had a tonking. And, um, yeah, so that was that. Uh, build up we said Jake said this seen an ad there for the cup final showing five goals against us very odd this always happens mm. always happens they did it all the le- the build up to the league last year as well always do you know who pointed it out actually Brazzer on the Brazzer cast he said he was sitting there at the award show with, with Glenn and they kept showing goals scored against us not one goal scored and he was like fuck this same with them when they played um, boys in the Betterland on the end of a End of a beating as well, so they know then someone's balls involved in RT anyway. Um, yes, so we Bradzer gave a couple of li- a fans, dairy fans, a lift to the Lewis. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, he didn't leave any surprises in the back seat. <laughs> and he spoke to the media and why they had to let Dover go from the academy. He clearly wanted to manage his own team. <laughs> this is a case of, I think, like just like get, get him fucking out of here, will you? <laughs> Well, you hear it, lads. He's mental. Just let him go manage a team. Might have been a case yeah. though. They're, yeah. they're still closed, aren't they? Like, yeah, yeah, still closed. Tallah um, Stadium, Forge Prof was used the last week on tonight with John Oliver. I didn't actually see this, but I think it was the Lizzie in a box, wasn't it? It was, yeah. 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 Of all things. Well, just some final cup notes there. Jesus, John uh, Oliver. Do you know, it's the Shell. Actually, don't. Was it was it Derry or Shells fans? But they were coming down towards the Irish Town house, and then there was bottles being shown on them. We actually weren't allowed to walk down that way when we won the cup. Yeah, I know, yeah. And it we made, didn't have any trouble. I think they underestimated the potential trouble, like. Yeah. So there was stuff there with the the Shells fans and their sticker bars and their misspelled Shelburne scarves. Shelburne. Um, and then there's pictures of them. But the photos were probably taken a bit early in the day, so I don't want to be misleading, but it didn't look great, did it? The, Shell section behind the goal. What didn't help was how high up the netting was. I hated that. Yeah, little old shells was right in fairness. Little old shells, yeah. So yeah, tonked and a number of their fans facing the ban from Lansdowne after some clashes, uh, including an RT presenter for some reason. Uh, I think he just got dragged into it. To be honest. <laughs> literally dragged. I love how he denies it's him. Like there's yeah. a close up like of him there. You literally you mate. Like no one else has that face unless you have a twin. Come brother. out and say, listen, I got dragged into it. I don't think you did that wrong. You just got. Pulled into the situation. Um, yeah, so that was the cup final as well. But like we said, the biggest event in Irish football on that weekend was on the Clayton mm-hmm. Hotel in Liffey Valley. Yeah, just the 19 cup wins now behind us. Uh, Derry behind Roberts. Yes, so, uh, just 19. There you go. <laughs> yes, so um, RIP with some bad news. Rest in peace, Eamon Sheila Darcy, the legendary Rovers goalkeeper from the 50s part of Colts. Colts. So rest in peace to... Um, Aim and condolences to the family. Andy Lyons cleared ahead. Episode eleven, prof. Um, this is a. Uh, I'm love to see. I want to see the new direction that they're going in. 
I'm hearing a, a few things, a few little whispers about the direction they're going to go in. I heard they might need a celebrity mm-hmm. on it, so. <laughs> celebrity? Uh, yeah, uh, so brilliant stuff again from Gareth, and of course, it's just uh, it's fantastic. And I noticed his style crept into the Player of the Year awards as well because he has that ability to be able to just bounce from topics and to latch onto something and remember the, what he was going on to before he veered off and then go back to it. It's actually a very, very impressive thing to be able mm. to do. So I love how, by the way, you started off the award show, you were explaining the bingo board, and you were like. Footballer interviews are shy. <laughs> and I looked over the eight players and I just, they're just thinking, oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They are. Generally, they're shy. Come on. We all know they are. The, yeah. After interview, you know, I play for the team and it doesn't matter that I got a hat trick and I just played for the team. Come on. Don't, we know. You don't insult Roy Gaffney. Right? We know. Oh, only I do the that, Gaffney that voice was, yeah. because I love him. Actually, I had a question for him which I, I bottled asked him publicly so I asked him privately. Ooh. Because I had heard that he he noticed some shouts from the stand. This would have been months ago, where people in the, sh- the stands are shouting at him, saying, "Like get forward, Gaffney, get in the box. You're supposed to be a striker." And you know, he likes to pick up the ball in mm. different areas of the pitch, which is effective because he's providing assists from the wi- from the wing. He's running the channels. He's coming deep for the ball, whatever. And I've caught we've called out his goal involvements. So, but, but when I asked him that night, he said he didn't, didn't hear them. So, I don't know if he was being polite to the fans mm, there. saying j- just come out with him. him. So then I asked him, kind of, I came from a different angle. And I was like, like, what do you, do you hear other people's opinion of what you should be mm. as a player? Like, roundabout way prop there. As in the pundits and the fans, like, oh, Gaffney, well, he, Gaffney won't get 20 goals. Gaffney should be this. He should be in the box. He should be a poacher. Mm-hmm. Like what? What other people's opinion of you? What you think you are as a player? And he kind of compared himself to the goal ratios of. He was like, "Well, who was the top scorer last year with, with Dundalk? And where did he finish in the league? Who was the top scorer this season? Where did he finish in the league?" It's it, it was a team answer. It it, it was it wasn't as boring as it sounds. It was a good answer. A bit of say he asserted himself as yeah. well, did he? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Also, it was in the news that they're bringing in new rules around gambling, advertising, and maybe illegal to sponsor a team if they have any players under the age of eighteen. So it's pretty much everybody. Prof. I think we're gonna kiss AAA goodbye. And will we ever see Glenmore Floyer? No. No. Fucking turn that thing into glue. Get a good feed out of it. That horse has pulled out more times than insert sexual joke here. <laughs> um, oh, steak! Fucking horse steak for everybody. No, that thing's gone. Um, yeah, so we could be looking for a new sponsor. Um, is there now a minimum wage? Uh, there's four four thirty is the minimum wage for senior polls. It goes up and down, and there's a few different things. But that's kind of, I'm not sure if that's going to be feasible for a couple of teams. I mean, like the UCD, they're going to pay four hundred thirty quid per per person. You know. Well, I'm glad we're gone from the days of first division clubs playing players like twenty euro and expenses. Um. Uh, it is going to be different. It, like this for senior professionals, isn't it? Is is different for part time clubs. Mm. Yeah. Um, but I saw you pointing out the other day that the landscape has kind of changed for us signing players. It is it's it's totally different to the Michael Neal era. We could like poach the best players in the league. Yeah. It's it is it is very different. Yeah, it certainly is, and it's it's uh, it's interesting. This off season, like I said, is possibly one of the most important. 
of um of Brazzers Reign. Uh, Kerry FC confirmed for the first division next season. It was announced on Wednesday, much to the delight of Tommy Tormey, who was looking <laughs> forward to the little trip down to Tralee. See Fungi. Oh, no, not Fungi. Who's the other fella? David Dolphin, do they? David Dolphin? David Dolphin and Tralee. I'm getting mixed up. <laughs> I don't know. Fungi's... No, I don't think he's Fungi. Either way, someone has a Dolphin. Well, Tommy texts me talking about uh, the FEI Cup in July. But I said, never mind July. Tipped his bus down there uh, for a friendly... Imagine, be brilliant. Tipped his bus three hours twenty five minutes from the far probs. We've checked on Google. Stay the night to Mount Hall Park. Banjo before Abbey Field. <laughs> Probably got his, his uh, geography <laughs> map out. Yeah, guard of honor for Gary O'Neill. Truly, man. Yes, certainly, is, certainly much. So, um, so both signings and potential signings. Um, hearing that they might be signing Leahy in and around the league in general as well. Well, I just wrote this in to laugh at them. Because there's a James Duna rumour And One of their pages on Facebook They, they want to sign Ethan Boyle <laughs> I saw that He's, He always plays well against us Always yeah. play Yeah go on Take that model on see Go on go, go ahead Sign Ethan yeah. Boyle Go for see, it See, yeah. see, hey, see go And then on a related note Ian, Ian Ryan was appointed Bray manager Which is Funny how that turned out Because Turn down balls for Bray He went from On the verge of becoming Balls manager To now managing A basket case I of a know, club yeah Crazy stuff. Uh, big congratulations to the Rovers on the 15s who won their cup final beating Cork 3-2 after extra time in Athlone and Rover stalwart Noli O'Brien um, has been a part of the club and uh, he's been following the club for so long and I can say he was like a kid at Christmas when they won this one, you know, so big shout out to Noli and all the management team of course but a massive yeah. win. Big big congrats to the management team there including Noli, friend mm-hmm. of the show. Uh, Todd Bazunu and goal. Yes. Uh, they wore the black jersey. Oh, I don't know if we can count that as the the curse being over, but it's still we're, looms. We're chipping away at the curse, I think. Yeah. Uh, great. Well, we'll be wearing Adidas next year, so <laughs> great video of them singing uh, Buttercup in the dressing room. Yeah, absolutely um, brilliant. And of course, the fourteenth Eddie Wallace Cup final with a one 0 win over Galway. So Garth's troops, um, very very successful weekend, prof. For the Roadstone project. That's not over yet. It's not over yet. No silverware for the Rovers girls teams, however. Women's 19s won 3 2 in Cork after extra time, and then they went on to lose the final 3 0 to P Mountain at Lawn. So, good yeah. P Mountain team. Both underage finals were live on LOI TV as well. Yeah, I think the 17s were they beaten the previous week. Yeah, so, well, listen, I it's, I think they, it's very good considering it's their first year. So Yeah, and then it was confirmed then that Rovers and Galway. We'll have women's senior teams in uh, the top division next season. So it's a plan that's obviously been in place for a few years to have to bring back a women's senior team for hours, and that'll be in place next year with um, uh, Cody Cody O'Neill, yes, Cody O'Neill, yeah, great signing there as well. Well done to Justin Ferrazoy, Gideon Tete, and Freddie Turley, who played on the Republic of Ireland team to beat Sweden in an under 18 mini tournament in Croatia the other day as well. So fantastic stuff once again from our young guns. And it's finals weekend at Roadstone this Saturday and Sunday. The 14s and 15s are looking to complete a League Cup double. 14s have their final game against Harps on Saturday 3pm. 15s are against Cork Sunday 3pm. So Saturday 3pm, Sunday 3pm. Get down to the Roadstone and support our young guns. And the club megastore is on the move. It was temporarily offline but reopened Saturday from 12 to 4. New location with the entrance next to the main reception. So um, 
make yeah. sure you get on down. Get is there a new location? Yeah, get is there a new location. My God, we've a lot of news here. The Walking Football Group of Rovers fans got together at Roadstone on Monday, and this members' club initiative is open to all senior hoops. So next week, hoops legend Mick Leach will join them for a chat and a cup of tea. And Prof, how did you get on with the first game of Walking Football? <laughs> Well, considering your children are now making me feel like a, an old age pensioner, I might as well pop down. <laughs> uh, few Brilliant fami- initiative as well, boys. Yeah, it is. few familiar faces. If you look at the photos on Twitter, uh, Brian Burke, Bucket Senior, Brendan Fox. Uh, where's the senator, though? Where, yeah. where is the senator? Where I wa- is Mick? Mick doesn't want to come to terms with it yet. That's what it is. I want to see Mick McCarthy attempt the Shawsy swivel. Yep. The body box shuffle. <laughs> I want to see it. Sack the sender and never mind the podcasting. Um, yes, so of course the big one came out today. Prop links to buy season tickets were sent out on Wednesday afternoon. And you can now, I'll tell you my situation. I'll tell you how good. Now, I've had this conversation with a couple of people and I had a um, a serious, heated discussion with someone in work who doesn't listen to the podcast but claims to follow rovers and is referenced to as a wild animal at times. And he seems to think that. It's terrible and we are being robbed. And I said, well, here's my situation. I said, I paid €220, including fees, for three kids, 15, 12 and 8 years of age, 220 quid, and that is €4 per game. 18 games, 4 quid each. How could you not think that that was good value? 220 quid will get you in for €12. For every game, that's the equivalent. It's oh, it's brilliant. Six euro per game if you're a student or um, twelve to eighteen years of age. It's the best value in the league. This is actually. Did someone put up a chart? Maybe last year's chart. Yeah, no, this, this is the cheapest in the league. It is the cheapest in the league for the best team, the best facilities, and the best football. So if you have possibly something to win, are we going to say winge, cry about, and give out about those prices? Maybe football isn't for you. I don't think I want to argue with these people because I just feel it's hopeless. I yeah, but I there's like it's one of those arguments where there's no valid argument from them. How could they say that four euro per ticket isn't good value? Get the plane to Anfield then for one game. Yeah, because like that's literally how much you'd pay for two flights for two people, but you're getting eighteen games. I just don't get the argument saying it's too expensive. I think it's brilliant value. How when much you break whinging it are we talking? Are we talking about like a lot of people on Robert Shack? Is that no, there's not too much whinging, but there is. Right. There's some whinging. But how, how could you? How can you justify your whinging with four euro a game for three kids? Four euro per game, twelve per game if you buy a season ticket for yourself. Mm. Twelve euro. What more? Like literally, I was saying to someone else, you cannot get a chicken fillet roll for six euro. It's impossible. <laughs> so you're getting in. For the full experience, we're going to get a chicken fillet roll over. Everything goes back to chicken fillet rolls. The club could have had an increase here. I think well, I think it is an increase, isn't it? It's a slight increase. 10 it's euro 10 on season euro, tickets, yeah. yeah. 10 euro. For, for the club kids. could have gone more. Men, uh, I, think our, I think the men or the adults stayed the same. And you get to get your junior hoops membership, membership sorted out on the on Given the everything we've achieved and the fact that best facilities, best team, etc, etc, etc. The board could have, could have gone higher here. They could have and gone a lot yeah. I'm very we happy st- with we it. Still have great I'm value. delighted because we're members, so we're gonna get our inclusive one. Um but when you look down when you when you think about it like like four euro a, a pop and my kids are hooked now as well, brilliant. So we're absolutely delighted with it. And on that note, there was a chart for uh attendances uh increases 
from uh, 2016 up to this season, obviously 2020 and 2021 aren't counted. And everyone's average was up except for the Midlands, Athlone and Longford. Every single club bit of a bit of a went up from 2019. Um, we were under 3,000 in 2017 2018 Bradger's first two full seasons in charge then 3,400 in 2019 and this season 5,300 average we want to we don't want to take too much credit for a prof you know just all everyone everyone <laughs> kind of played their part but yeah. you know do you know what Pat's is the most shocking one for me there in my time following Roberts I've never seen the Pat's crowd go up for any reason. Even yeah, when they we won saw, the league. We saw it go down when they won the league. When they won the league in the cup it didn't go up. So to me like that's the ultimate gauge. More people are going to Pats games. That shows the league is on the up. <laughs> that's a damning yeah. thing to say. <laughs> um, a few people are asking me would we do off season shows. Which again I spoke about people talking about the podcasts overseas. Again it's a nice thing that they like a few people said they love it when the season's over because they miss Rovers mm-hmm. and uh, it gives them a bit of entertainment. So, so yeah, we are going to do one. Um, I was saying to Gary earlier, possibly do one at the end of this month and then one near Christmas. So you'll have a couple more there in 2022. We've got a winter is coming. Tifty's hotline. Mm, we could even uh, we could even go back and possibly have a little sneaky live show on Johnny Blues. Do you know what? Actually, do you know what I kind of laughed at? Because when, when in the height of the Rory Gaffney coming on and collecting his award and looking at what the guts of three hundred people packed into a, a venue and everybody has singing and having a laugh and then I thought back to our fourth live show in my dad's bar, yeah, with about twenty people, which is still legendary. That one, which is still legendary and brilliant and great crack, loads of cans and all good rovers. But it just shows you how far we've come. Like I was just <laughs> laughing thinking back on it. And Barney sitting up there. We first time we ever met Barney. The Barretts. Everybody ended up in the Black Forge after. Uh, we should do another one, yeah. We've come a long way, baby. Um, definitely some some ideas for next season. We're, we're considering the Patreon return. Because... Coming up with some good content and see what we can do with you guys. And if you're interested, of course. We put it on ice because COVID happened like two months into our, our beginning of Patreon. But uh, we'll, only, we'll only launch it if we feel we're providing... Good content, good worth, content. Worth, worth your fiver. Worth a fiver, yeah. Because I noticed some podcasts continued through COVID and they just said, give us a fiver for no reason. I know, loads of moochers like that. <laughs> I remember one League of Ireland podcast started up and he started a Patreon as he launched his show for the first time ever. <laughs> and I, I, I sound bad now but I, I don't think he got a single subscriber possibly not no it's like okay I'm having a podcast but it's, pay for it and I've no fans no but from the fans point of view or the lack of you're just like well who are you <laughs> yeah exactly at least like, we've sort of we've, you've if you've been listening to this show from the start or maybe even a year or two at least you've come along with us mm. and we're saying would you like to come along with us and have a bit some some, some video content yeah. for, uh, to add to it yeah that's it so yeah, that's that's their that is it. Their content plans now for. And that is the end of the season, Prof. It's been historic. It's been uh, memorable. Possibly the best time I've ever had following Rovers this season. It's been absolutely brilliant as a whole and a collective. I think we've grown, and we've 
we've moved on and I think we're on to the next level prof so next level with the club next level with the podcast and um it's it's been fantastic thanks to all the listeners all our sponsors everybody who supported us this this everybody who criticized us absolutely everybody so we're looking forward to next season and we'll keep on hoping see ya Står det vi 